welcome to the Dojo Talk Podcast. Please remove them shoes before entry. Say Master is here and you still have not taken off your shoes. To define man's mission yeah. Look into the sky for divine transmission yeah. Deaf man's vision makes the blind man listen yeah. Eyes on the prize, this is blind ambition Thank you Welcome to another edition of the Dojo Talk Podcast I am your host, Serial Sensei We are on episode number 149 As always, you can listen to this podcast on SoundCloud, YouTube, Apple Podcasts Google Play, Spotify uh, did I say YouTube already? I don't remember if I said YouTube. You can listen to it on YouTube. Also, give us a look on social media at the Dojo Talk Podcast Facebook page as well as the Instagram page. Send questions to Dojo Talk Podcast at yahoo.com. And if you feel inclined to do so, you can give me a follow on Twitter as well as Twitch at Serial Sensei. And of course, I'm joined with my co host, the Antaku. What's going on, man? Not much. Starting to get cold. Um, why do I always open with the weather? Like... <laughs> I mean, it's changing. It definitely is. Uh, the, the the guards of, of the season are changing. It was. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm opt. Uh, I'm gonna say I'm optimistic. I, I can't be so sure about Maryland weather sometimes because we're it's kind of bipolar. Like I feel like we don't really even have seasons. But but I'm gonna be optimistic and say fall is here like it's still like in the 80s but it's we're starting to get the breeze is coming through more you know it was like yeah it was like 50 degrees when i woke up yesterday yeah we're at a current 62 right now Oof. yeah the high of 82 which is actually pretty good it's been a nice breeze the last couple of days and as long as the forecast doesn't lie well we got some upper 80s coming but it's been it's been cooler like the mornings are cooler the nights are cooler so you know fall is here I hope I hope fall is here. I'm kind of through with this whole 90 degree. Uh, oh shit! I just remembered. I was gonna open with uh, um, a Goldie reference. Uh, what what Goldie do? Uh, no, it's an old one. Like uh, I was gonna say, Little Eagle flies again. <laughs> what is he talking about? <laughs> he was talking about Jens Palmer. <laughs> Little Evil Jens Palmer. <laughs> Oh, I thought you said Little Eagle. No, I know. <laughs> oh, That's what he said. He got it wrong. Oh, man. <laughs> well, uh, mine, mine actually made sense. I miss Goldie sometimes. I miss Goldie. He, he, was, he was good for those random just kind of... You can tune into Bellator and watch him... You can tune into Bellator and still watch him narr- uh, commentate on... Chicago fights. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Goldie's still there. I miss Jimmy, too. It was weird, like, watching... Uh, watch a little bit of, like, a random Titan FC card, and I heard Jimmy on there. I was like, man, I feel like I haven't heard him in a while. I wonder what he does when he's not, like... You know, dude, like doing MMA-related stuff, because, like... I think he was also a comedian-slash-TV like personality dude. But he, you know, he had that show, um, Deadliest Warrior, or whatever it was called, where he went around and trained, like, in a bunch of different martial arts. 
with um shit, who was that with him? Yeah, I forget. He definitely has a TV uh TV host kind of kind of vibe. I, I get that from him. I yeah. So I don't know what he's doing now. Like, it, like it's re- it's really peculiar. It's like he he was there. Uh, not just for um, that uh Bellator, but it was also their boxing dude when they had PBC on there. Oh, it was Fight Quest on Discovery Channel. That's what it was. He also was the host of American Ninja Warrior for two years. Like. Uh, the things you can do when oh he's a, he's the invicta commentator or he was oh, yeah he was i don't know if he does every car like, though you see i've gotten so good at just blocking people out like commentating wise <laughs> like he just don't even know yeah, the voices i don't i don't like i literally paid no attention i'm like i, I don't care what joe rogan has to say about um i, I don't know uh Sarah Morass is like training or pro fighting. Like, just I, let him ramble. I was rewatching the uh, Habib and um, Connor fight the other day. Just kind of getting my getting my footage, trying to figure out who I was gonna pick. <laughs> At one point during the fight, like we, we all know how to, how that fight went. And at one point, Dominic Cruz is like, "Why doesn't he just get back up?" <laughs> And it's like, bro, that's that's Habib on top of him. He, I don't think it. Uh, I don't think it works that way. I don't. Think I mean, that's, that's how that works. It's it's like when um, what was his name? Like they they used to like when they used to interview um like like someone like um what's his face uh who's like a great rebounder um like Dennis Rodman. I think they asked him like how he like went about like getting rebounds and stuff. And dude was just like you, you just see the ball and you go grab it. It's just like it's like that because like no one's gonna hold Dominic Cruz the fuck down. He just gets up. <laughs> he expects that from everybody right. else. <laughs> it's like nah, bro. <laughs> it don't it don't go down like that. See, that was the least asinine thing he said about that fight though. Because I, I remember like at some point in the second round, like Khabib just was just wailing on Connor, and. Cruz is like Connor's tiring him out by letting him wail on him while he blocks and dunks these oh, shots. Yeah. And it's just like, <laughs> and, and like, even, Ro- even Rogan came in like, nah, he's just getting smashed. Like, <laughs> there's no tiring. When Joe Rogan has to correct you, you know you're wrong. <laughs> oh boy! Shout out to all the commentators out there. It's a rough job. Yeah, yeah, it's not it's not an easy job, especially if you have to do it for like seven hours. And after like seeing, well, I I don't know what what the what their little perspective is, like their their view of the fights. But fights are really they are like really different watching in person than seeing on the TV. Right. Now, now that I've seen them in person, I feel like judges should not. You, you shouldn't be out there. You well, should they have be monitors. That's yeah, the but oh, all right, I, I guess that's. Ah, uh, yeah, I guess that works. I feel like they should be in a back room, and they should have to watch the fights muted. Mm. Yeah, that probably make more sense. And I then there's like a whole ceremony where they, all three have to walk down the ramp, <laughs> right? To the cage, make, like make it real there. dramatic. <laughs> they hand over like scrolls that have their uh, their picks, or oh, their scorecards. 
I can't remember who tweeted it out, but like some journalist was talking about like how they were at like a Bellator show like five or six years ago in New Jersey, and one of the judges was just on his phone for like two thirds of the fight, like not not like text, like literally like on a phone call, not watching the K like the fight at all. And I'm like, damn. <laughs> yeah. Then he just wakes up. Thirty twenty seven Johnson. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, shout out to the judges and commentators. And shout out to the listeners. Uh, Twitter folk, Tumblr folk, wherever you are, we appreciate you. Top cities for the week, as far as listings. Uh, Red Deer, Canada at number one. Number two, Vista, California. Number three, Hollywood, North Hollywood, California. Uh, number four, Middletown, Delaware. And number five, Covina, California. So shout out to Cali. Y'all are all just owning the top five so we appreciate you guys share with friends co-workers um people at the gym if you train share with your coach we can armchair quarterback and tell them what he's doing wrong yeah <laughs> you know just just share share with everybody you know it was the holiday so hopefully you shared during like when labor day back when that was a thing and you know halloween's coming up we're not a scary podcast but there's some connection there somehow that you can make to kind of weave it all in. Just make it work. Just if you got to, just put the earbud in there. Yeah. Just you know, do do what you got to do. But we appreciate you. Appreciate the listens. Keep sharing, posting, all that good stuff. Um, <laughs> real quick before we get started, I'm just gonna start with this random story. Um, that I had at a Walmart parking lot, and then we'll we'll get to going. Um. So I. Th- <laughs> I think inadvertently, <laughs> during this weekend, I may have donated to a cult. <laughs> I'm not going to say the name of the group. Um, I was leaving Walmart. You know, I normally do my, my shopping. Uh, if I don't do it on Fridays. That, that, was this Friday? Did I do it yesterday? I don't remember what day I did. My days are just running into each other. I think this was Friday. Uh, so I'm pretty sure I went right after work. But, you know, I go to Walmart. I do my shopping. Normal, normal. Blase, blase. Same old, same old. Leaving. Leaving the parking lot. Going to my car. Uh, of course, I'm parked all the way in the back because there's no parking. So, I'm walking to my car. And I see, like, these little kids. Uh, I say little kids, but they were probably, like, teenagers. We're going to say maybe, like, yeah, probably teenagers. Probably, like, 13, 14 years old. Uh, so, I see this little kid walking around and he has like these um he's holding like these pictures and y'all I, I i don't know if like i just give off an aura that people just feel like i'm approachable but i feel like there were other people he could have talked to and for whatever reason he chose me and i feel like this happens to me a lot like people just seem <laughs> they, they, they walk up on you expecting you to be friendly yes they just pick me out of a crowd and they're like yeah that's the guy he's gonna he's gonna talk to me and God, He's going to join my cult. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, kid, kid walks up to me. Uh, he's like, hey, I'm from the insert uh, blank group. Uh, we're trying to do this fundraiser uh, to fund uh, sponsorships and trips, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and he said, we're selling these uh, 2D um, uh, drawings or, like, printings or whatever. Well, 2D or 3D, I can't remember. But, like, I looked at the pictures, and the pictures were actually really dope. Like, he had, like, a, a stack of probably about 10, 10 pictures where, like, you 
you know, if you move the pictures like to the right and like it switches to something else. It was actually really cool. Um, and then he's like, you know, pictures are twenty five dollars. I'm like, oh, I ain't got twenty five in cash, and even if I did, I'm not paying twenty five for that. And he was like, oh, you can pay with your card. I guess they had the, you know, the little square machine. Whatever. <laughs> I'm like, I'm definitely not giving you my card info. Definitely not giving you my card. But he seemed like a nice kid. So I had like $4 uh, in my in my wallet. I don't really carry cash uh, that much anyway. I had like $4 and I had just gotten paid. So I'm not going to, you know, I'm not hurting over $4. So I was like, all right, whatever. I'll make a little donation. So, you know, whatever. He seemed like a nice kid. So I, 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 I walk off. I go back in my car. I'm loading up my groceries. And then there's another kid, probably a little older than him, maybe about like a year or so. He hits me with the same hustle. I don't think he saw our interaction because he was all the way off somewhere. So he walks up and gives me the same pitch. But like, he had like a stoner vibe. Like, he seemed very... It seemed like something was off. <laughs> His whole approach was like, I don't know, something was off, something was off. But I was like, yeah, man, I already donated uh, to your friend, whatever, whatever. And then he, he went and walked off. And when I got back in my car, I was like, let me Google this uh, this little group. So I Googled them, and they popped up. And I was like, all right, well, at least they're a legit group. That's something. And then I found a Reddit thread. And when I saw that they popped up on Reddit, I was like, oh, this can't be good. So I'm scrolling through the Reddit post. And they're like, has anybody else had these uh, kids approach them with the pictures and blah, blah, blah? I was like, oh, yeah, I have. I did. That just happened two seconds ago. And they mentioned the leader of this group whose name I can't remember, nor can I pronounce it, even if I, I did remember it. Uh, but they were like, yeah, yeah, something, something. This is about as cold as it gets. And I was like, oh, man, did I just give my $4 to some brainwashed children who are like, uh... Uh, Congratulations, Sensei. You just bought their Kool-Aid. <laughs> I don't know what I just paid for. I don't know what I just donated to. But, uh, yeah. Don't, uh, don't trust kids in parking lots selling pictures. It's probably not, uh, probably not a good idea. Hopefully they were just, like, kids trying to make some quick cash and were not actually with a group. <laughs> hopefully but the thing that bothered me when i found the reddit post was like the way that whoever made the post described it it was literally the exact same thing that happened to me like same pitch same sentence same hustle with the pictures and i was like oh oh they got it so that's the go-to that's the go-to like you know um freaking we're trying to do missions and i don't know like some Southern Hemisphere country. Right. Can you so. please donate money to our cause? Uh, Meanwhile, they're spending the money on rat poison and Kool-Aid. See, I think what got me was, was that the picture. <laughs> you said a ropes. Ropes or ropes? Robes. Yeah. Robes. <laughs> Bathrobes. Oh, boy. See, what got me was, like, the pictures were legit. Like, had it been some, like, crappy, you know, like, hand-drawn, I'm like, I gotta get out of here. But, like, the pictures were legit. So I was like, oh, it looks like somebody actually put some time and effort into this. But yeah, I feel like there's better places to, like, if it, like for that type of thing. Like, people go to Walmart to get art. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it didn't occur to me until, like, 
I, I guess in the moment I kind of gave him the four dollars because I just kind of wanted him to leave me alone, and I kind of just wanted to be on my way. And then I really sat and thought about it. I was like, why are you guys doing this in a parking lot, in a Walmart, and it's raining? Like, <laughs> it's not a pleasant day outside. Like, you guys could have easily had like a and you didn't have like a booth or anything set up like that'd be different if you had like a, a, a booth or you know you guys are just kind of randomly scattered around a parking lot i didn't realize the optics of it until i had already got got so yeah beware of uh unsuspecting uh teenagers in parking lots hustling your pictures don't be like me uh i might have paid for some red kool-aid somewhere also, if somebody wants you to join their Bible study thing and they're just walking around the mall, they're probably a human trafficker. Oh, yeah, I've been hearing some stories about that. Yeah, no. Yeah. I think I told the story, like, a week or two ago. Uh, it, it, like, they approached me and my sister in the mall, and they were, like, trying to talk to my sister. I was like, eh, no, we, we don't believe in God. Go away. <laughs> boy. Oh, boy. Well... Oh, yeah, mini rant. The, the world's full of scary people. Yeah, so scary, scary people. It's a wild place out there. Stay, uh, stay protected. Don't pay for red Kool Aid. Don't, don't be. Don't like talk me. to people in Walmart parking lots. That's the real message. Yeah, this yeah, story. yeah. That's because either they're just going to want to sell you something, they're going to want to steal your car, or they're going to want to fight. Yeah, if they're not asking to borrow your cart that you're done with, yeah, it's probably not going to be a good conversation. <laughs> He's probably leave it alone. But those are our random uh random ramblings. So as far as today's episode, as always we'll start with news and notes for the week. And then as far as fights, uh we'll cover Bellator two twenty six, uh, which was headlined by Chet Congo and Ryan Bader, and then we'll go on to UFC two forty two, uh Poirier versus uh Nurmagomedov. But <clears throat> Go ahead and start with the fight announcements for the week. Oh, let me pull up my notes. Um, I literally just took these notes this morning, so if I'm missing fights, forgive me. But I think I got the ones that were pretty much important that people would be interested in. Uh, one of the biggest fights that just, uh, <laughs> I think this just happened, I want to say like yesterday. Um, Nate Diaz versus Jorge Masvidal will be headlining UFC 244. And it's just kind of wild. Like, this is a fight that got thrown out there after Nate uh, went out there and put the slacking on Pettis. And I'm pretty sure I speak for a lot of us that, regardless of rankings or whatever, we we wanted to see this fight. Like, this would be fun. This would be something that I think everybody's pretty much down for. Um, and I think it was funny because I think you and I had the discussion of, like, where would you place this fight? Like, do you want it to be on a fight night? Because we kind of want five rounds of this. But, like, or do you put it on a pay-per-view? But if you put it on a pay-per-view, it probably wouldn't headline because most pay-per-views are going to have a title fight headline. But, nope, it's headlining. UFC 244. And from what I think I had read from Dana that... <clears throat> okay. And I got... I was going to say, I think I read from Dana that... um. Like, this is going to headline, and there's not going to be a title fight underneath because he didn't want to, um, he wanted this fight to headline, and he doesn't, you know, want a title fight to be underneath this, so. And then this is the Madison Square Garden card, right? Yep. So this I'm might be, <laughs> I'm not mad at it, like, yeah, there's no title fights, <clears throat> but 
if nothing else, maybe this card will just be a fight of just, a night of just like I didn't say fan service, but like because I, I can't remember what the rest of this card even looks like, or if they if they've built up the rest of this card. Uh, I can tell you that right now because I just had it open because. Uh, Derek Lewis, Bogoy Ivanov, Johnny Walker, Corey Anderson, Kaylin Chikagan, Jennifer Maya, and Kelvin Gaslam, Darren Hill. It's up. Um, you know, if you do the, I, I guess the fight that they wanted to throw at the top of it on there, it would be like a solid card. Like, I don't think this is any worse than it. Like what, what they were planning to go with. In fact, in a lot of ways, it's way better. Um, you know, they wanted to do Usman versus Covington. For whatever reason, contracts, uh, not contract, um, negotiations with the Covington camp went south. Like, that, just as interesting as the fact that this card is main, like, this fight is main eventing this card, um, is the fact that, like, in the span of, like, three days, we had, like, three different fights being negotiated right. for MSG. <laughs> And the UFC quite obviously leaking stuff to Ariel in an effort to like to to to, to negotiate via like public opinion. You know what I mean? Like how they tried to do with Holly Holm and that. Signed the contract. But um yeah, no, so it was, they were having trouble, they were having trouble putting together Jorge Masvidal and Nate Diaz, I mean, they didn't want to pay either guy a whole lot of money, um, and I guess the, the, I guess they were having the same issue with Usman Covington, so they were going to do the Masvidal-Usman fight, Covington do a bitch fit on Twitter, and called no Jorge Masvidal, <laughs> yeah. um, and Don't I, they train I, I, together? Yeah. Uh, uh, apparently, they're not as good as friends as they pretend to be, but whatever. Um, but uh, then, then Usman, like they had trouble getting Usman booked for that. Like they were good. Like according to Ariel, they were like really close to just stripping him for the title. Diaz Masvidal, a fight that came out of the blue, and just because Nate Diaz was the dude who did it, like in the way he, in the manner in which he did it, generated more buzz than literally any other title fight this year, except maybe <laughs> Dustin Poirier versus like um, Max Holloway and Dustin Poirier versus Khabib Nurmagomedov. Hey man. I'm uh, I'm like listen. If they want to throw Conor McGregor and Nate Diaz in the main event of cards because they they're like the big draws, like I'm I'm cool with that. Just you know, make sure the undercard's good and I'll be fine. Yeah. And like, don't don't pull this UFC two forty uh two forty two crap on me. And I guess for this, like some sometimes we kind of look at the UFC kind of sideways because they'll put some fights together that's like oh this is obviously just like a. Like, it always seems like there's some kind of, like, hidden agenda. And I, I kind of actually don't get that feeling with this. I think they were like, listen, man, all this negotiation, like, it, it's not working. I, I did think it was kind of 
wild though that like <laughs> Usman just found his way out of the main event altogether. <laughs> but um, like I think overall this is a fight that a lot of us wanted to see, and it just kind of is what it is. Like I don't know why you wouldn't want to see this fight. Right. Like this... both the dudes want the fight. Like, like I. I'd love to see Jorge Masvidal get a UFC title shot just because, you know, what a story. The dude who froze up in the in strike force when he fought Gilbert Melendez moves up a weight class and is fighting like this. Uh, yeah, moves up a weight class, has all the success, and then, you know, makes a big-ass name for himself and fights for the title. But at the same time, I'm like, he's putting on good fights. Like, and it's a good fight. It's a great fight. Huh. And, like... Let's be real, Masvidal Diaz is a way better, more interesting fight than what Masvidal Usman probably would have been. So my question is, because Masvidal has a lot of steam coming into this fight, if Diaz wins, is he going to leapfrog Covington? I think the UFC would completely give Diaz a title shot um, if it, they had it in like their best interest, because one, he'd probably lose. Um, and that would drive his value down in their eyes. Um, but I think Diaz is not in it for the title, and he is just in it to make as much money as possible and then bounce again. Which I respect the fuck out of. Yeah, he's honest with it. <laughs> you know, again, the UFC title is not a real thing. It, it is arbitrary. Oh, see, I think this situation kind of shows... <laughs> Kind of like what the belt has, what it the is belt a, has become is a promotional tool and a negotiation tool. That is yeah. basically it. Yeah. Um. So, I'm I'm cool with Diaz being like, I don't want a fucking title shot. I want um. I don't like who 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 could Nate Diaz want to fight? Like, I want to fight Tony Ferguson or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just like I, I he just wants somebody who's going to match up with him. In a way where it produces an entertaining fight and he makes a shit ton of money because people are interested in the fight. Yeah. I'm all for it. I ain't mad at it. So, UFC it's 240... Also, oh. it's also, no, sorry. This just also says that 240 did well uh, with the Pettis fight on it. Um, and they are comfortable enough, I guess, putting Diaz, Masvidal at the top of the bill. I mean, I feel like you have some great promo footage for this fight. Like, I think this is a pretty easy sell. Oh, hell yeah. yeah like, I don't, you don't got to work really hard to get people really interested in... Like, it's not even... There are UFC... There are dudes who main event UFCs, or who would main event UFCs in Usman's case, um, who are nowhere near as popular as, like, Nate Diaz. It's, it's just a fact. Um, yeah. it, and, you know... That sucks if you're a Newsman fan, but that's just how it is. Like, you you always get popular for being the best in your division. Yeah, if that was uh. Sometimes you gotta flip people off. Yeah, I was gonna say if that, if that yeah if, if popularity was based on like just octagon success, yeah, would sport would be a lot different. But yeah, that's uh that's not the case. I, I do hope to see Usman defend the title, though. I, I, I want to see that. But, hey, man, if we got to hold out a little longer to get this fight instead, hey, man, I guess we just got to hold out a little longer. <laughs> it, it, it is what it is. Oh, I'm but, at 241, by the way, not 240. Sorry. You're good. But, 
That's UFC 244, Nate Diaz versus Jorge Masvidal. There will be violence on the way. And it's going to be great. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. At UFC Moscow, we will have Junior Dos Santos versus Alexander Volkov. That fight completely slipped my radar. I didn't even know that was a thing until this morning. Um, that'll be going down at UFC Tampa. We will have Marlon Vera versus Andre Yule. Uh, at UFC Washington, D.C., we'll have Yadong Song versus Cody Stamen. At UFC Boston, for whatever reason, Joe Lozon is coming out of quote-unquote retirement uh, to fight a gentleman named Jonathan Pierce. At UFC South Korea, uh, South Korea, we'll have Alexandre Pantoja versus Matt Schnell. And, oh boy. So I wrote down two fights, and I didn't put what event they were at. I think this is UFC. Are they doing a card in Singapore? Are they? Uh, UFC. Greg, Greg Hardy versus Yaris Donho, who hasn't fought in. I forgot. I feel like he hasn't fought in a while. And then Benil Darius versus Frank Camacho. But I was a not bright person. I did not write a. Oh yeah, that's the Ben Askren card. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's in uh, that's in Singapore. So Greg Hardy versus Jaros Donho and Benil Darius versus uh, Frank Camacho. So those will be going down. I I, I, I don't understand what the fuck they're doing with Hardy. Like, giving him, I, I I think that they know that he probably is bad. Yeah, that he, you can't, if you throw him in there with the top 15 guy, he's probably getting mauled. But, like, they keep putting him on ESPN+, Plus, right? They, like, and I, maybe that's, like, at ESPN's behest, where they're like, oh, we're going to get all these football fans who are big Greg Hardy. Like, that's another thing. Is, was Greg Hardy even, like, a star in football? Like, he, was he, 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 was, he was no, he I know was he was a good player. Good, but, but was he a star? Eh. Because there nah. are plenty of, like, good, like, in basketball, like, Julius Randle is a good basketball player, but, like, you're not going to get, like, a group of, like, a hundred people following him down the street if he walks down the street in, like, midtown Manhattan, you know Yeah, I mean? no, Greg, Greg Hardy wasn't one of those guys that, like, you, you knew that he was a good player, but you also knew that even in the NFL, like, he had a ton of off-the-field issues. So he was kind of one of those guys that was like, man, he's talented, but he just kind of, he just can't keep to he can't seem to keep himself out of trouble. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know if he, I don't know if so, he was he, like he was a name, but I don't know. Star is kind of like he like and like he trends on Twitter when he fights, but it's always just people saying "fuck Greg Hardy." <laughs> like, they, like legitimately, like we, all the top, like they 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 were like uh, when his highlight KO of um Adams. Was going. It was like all the things was just all like I clicked on the thing and it was just like fuck Greg Hardy, uh, like just making fun of him for being like a domestic abuser and like, it's just really weird to see them protect him still, because it doesn't seem like he adds value. He just kind of seems like a headache. I feel like they signed him on a whim and then like they didn't have like a real <laughs> like plan. And then I think that first fight, that, that very first fight he had, uh, what was the gentleman's name? Alan Crowder, was that it? Yeah. Yeah. I think the way that like that fight played out probably really threw a wrench into what they wanted to do because of how that fight went. And now they got him, and they're kind of like, well, we signed him, 
so we kind of we got to do something with them, but they're just kind of like I don't know if there's not like a clear vision as to what it's like. They're taking it really like one day at a time. Like all right, we'll throw Joe Schmo at them. We'll see what happens depending on how that goes. Then we'll figure out something else. Like yeah, there's no like real clear. You know, it's not like when like guys like Connor came around or uh, like Eric, when Eric Silva <laughs> back when he was on a run. Like it seemed like they were building those guys up to become something. Like it's yeah, Greg Hardy seems to be on a whole nother. I don't know. They treat him like a Bellator prelim guy. Like he's just he's just there. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Nor do I really care though. That's the thing. That's all I got for UFC fight announcements. Uh, for Bellator at... Boy, oh boy. I was I was really on one this morning. Um, I wrote UFC 234. I'm going to assume this is Bellator 234. That that might have not even been right. I don't know what I've been doing this morning, y'all. I'm sorry. <laughs> I've been bugging out. But uh, uh, headlining a future Bellator card will be Sergey Karatanov versus Lynn Fussell. Yep, 234, uh, November 14th. Okay, Bellator 234. Put UFC. Guess who else on the card? Is it another heavyweight? No, I mean, he might as well be. Lord. He knocked out a heavyweight. Uh, it, it's, it's ESPN cover star, Roger Huerta. Mm. Yeah, he's still around. Still kicking. Yeah, he's still kicking. I mean, you know what, I'll be quiet. Yeah, he's still kicking. Let's <laughs> just say that he's still kicking. He, he's still he's still out here. Who's he fighting? Uh, uh, let's see. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Uh, hailing outlaw. I don't know who that is. All right, yeah, that's, we'll skip. <laughs> Keep it moving. I mean, I probably know who it is, but like, I don't know them by their nickname. And then uh, Paige Van husband, uh, Austin Vanderford, is also on the card. There you go. He got a quick turnaround. So he just fought not too long ago. But uh, that's all I got for Bellator in terms of fight announcement. In terms of news, um, I'm pretty sure you guys know by now, if you watched the Bellator um, card last night, then you saw it, that they officially signed Chris Cyborg. So, excited uh, excited for that. Glad she found a home. And we said that on this podcast when the whole UFC debacle happened, that she was going to find another home. Like That's why I wasn't even really sad when she left the UFC because I knew she was going to land somewhere so and back she's in Bellator back with Scott Coker you know got some some fighting options I guess you could say you got you got Julia Budd if they want to I'm, I'm still pushing for this Urena Bars fight um so people can remember that like Bellator kickboxing was a thing that happened um, well, well we'll get it in some like random fucking like uh stadium in like Tel Aviv is that gonna be that? <laughs> that's gonna be the main event in Thackerville. At <laughs> <laughs> hey, least Thackerville would make sense because it, like it's America. Like they're gonna go all the way to Tel Aviv for like Jarena Bars versus Chris Cyborg, and then like five local Israeli fighters who are taking on like I don't know j- j- world champion like uh, wushu fighters from like India or whatever. Right. <laughs> 
But uh, no, I'm glad she's she's in Bellator. So uh, they gave her a little uh little entrance yesterday. So we'll see. We'll see what they match her up with. If she gets a title shot out the gate, or if she gets like a showcase fight where she gets to just maul somebody before she has to fight Julia. But but uh, we'll we'll see. But glad she's over in Bellator. That's cool. And PFL, um, I don't have like actual fight. Uh, in specific, but they have three cards going down in October. Um, so PFL seven will be on. Uh, did I not write all these down? Uh, PFL seven will be going down. I think this is on October eleventh. Mm-hmm. Um, that will be men's welterweight and women's. I feel like I wrote this down wrong. I don't know. PFL seven, men's welterweight, women's lightweight. And then for PFL 8, they will... Oh, you know what? I accidentally deleted one of these. because Uh, I I remember which one I deleted. It's funny that I deleted it because it was the light heavyweights and heavyweights. (laughs) So PFL 7 is October 11th. Welterweight, women's lightweight. PFL 8 is October 17th with featherweights and lightweights. And then there was one on like... Is it like the 28th or something? It's on Halloween. Yeah, oh, that is very fitting. And that one is the light heavyweights and heavyweights. Yeah. Yes, that's fitted that that one is on Halloween. Because so, interest, interesting note, um, that first one, October 11th, that's a Friday. Oh. Yeah. Oh. PFL. P- PFL, look at y'all. Uh, what, y'all coming back to the weekends? Like, really? Right. Hold up, y'all. Y'all, y'all stepping out from the Thursday night shakedown? Like right? the last two on Thursdays, conveniently enough. But that what that uh, maybe Mandalay Bay is booked for October tenth. That's another thing I noticed, and maybe they did this last year. I just yeah, I guess they have been doing it. I just haven't noticed where they'll run the same arena three weeks in a row, or yeah. not three for like a month, and then they'll leave. Because like, I missed um, like for um. The shows they did this summer, I missed them because, you know, they were on Thursdays. But they were in Atlantic City. At the Ocean Casino Resort. Like, every two weeks. Mm, look, at P- look at PFL. Yeah, look at planning, doing things. You know what it is? Oh, I can't remember his Twitter name. I've got to give him credit for the joke. The thing they put on Friday, they're, they're bringing out the Slam Jams. Yeah! That's, that's, <laughs> that's the Slam Jams card. Because welterweight is like one of their one of their best divisions, and you know they want Kayla Harrison to be the you know trying to be the star, so you got to get her out there on the Friday night. I see what y'all are doing, PFL. I respect it. I see what y'all are doing. But uh, so yeah, that's all I got for uh, news and notes for the week. So did I miss anything? Got got any other any other news uh, before we move uh, on? Let's see. Um, I feel like there's something that happened. I was like, whoa, I can't believe that happened. Um, oh, this isn't it, but Muma Lukbunmi, the Thai Muay Thai fighter turned MMA fighter who was tearing it. See, she's the UFC's first fighter from Thailand. At 3 and 1. You were kind of going in and out. Oh, sorry. Um, Loma Lukbunmi, uh, the Thai 
fighter turned MMA fighter who uh, competes in Invicta. She signed with the UFC. Twenty-three hey. years old, three and four. She uh, three and four, three and one. Um, she competed at Adam weight. She's gonna move up to straw weight, and I believe she's gonna debut on that UFC Singapore card. I could be wrong about that. I, I feel like I remember. I probably did watch her fight in Victor because that that name sounds familiar. Yeah, she was a little black girl who was beating the shit out of people in the clinch. Okay, uh, yeah, I think I've seen. It. She's she's little though, man. She is. Uh, yeah, she's gonna be at the Singapore car in October. Um, yeah, so I I'm not expecting like amazing things from her, but if they can match her up with somebody her size, like a Jody Escabel. I'd be down to watch that fight. Yeah, because I don't say she's gonna give up a lot of size. Um. But I don't know. We'll see what that clinch work can do. Size oh, might not so mean like, nothing. Yeah, like... Um, oh, you said you don't want to talk about BJ Penn, so... Yeah. We'll yeah. put that to the side. <laughs> we'll corner that discussion for another way. I mean, you can, you can just throw the headline. What, what did they say? Dana said he's never going to... Dana said he's never going to fight again, and I don't believe that for, like, a second, so... You know, nah, nah. take take that for what it's worth. And give uh, it six months. Um, is this? Yeah, no, this is we talked about Spong Lucid last week, so I think we're good. I'm, I'm, maybe I'm forgetting something, but I think that was everything I saw. Yeah, wasn't it wasn't the, the busiest uh, busiest of weeks. Yeah, so. it was in Abu Dhabi, so or. Yeah, like every, the UFC was in Abu Dhabi, so they were probably super busy. Yeah. So, we'll go ahead and uh, get on to some fights. So, since we're covering two cards today, um, we probably won't focus a lot on prelims. Uh, we'll give them mentions, because especially on the UFC, there were some prelims that kind of have to be mentioned. Uh, we had some very uh, vicious soul departures. Uh but we won't spend as much time on prelims because we got to cover two main cards. So don't want to keep you guys here hostage for like three hours. <laughs> so we'll uh, we'll start off with Bellator 226. Uh, so that went down in what what place is this? Uh, the SAP Center in uh, San Jose, California. Uh, this went down last night on the Zone uh, kickoff of the featherweight Grand Prix. And also headlined by Ryan Bader versus Chet Congo, which, all right, man, let's the, the the true main event of the week. How dare you? How dare you? I I hear I hear that discontent. <laughs> I'm ready to get this fight out the way. One of the good. You talk about one of the greats. God. this was such a heavyweight fight. Just heavyweight was just. It, uh, I think it was. I mean, it had a heavyweight conclusion. Yeah, that, that's what I mean. Like, it was such a... Like, heavyweight just has these just shenanigans, it seems, always. And it just... I don't know. It's weird. But headline on the card, Ron Bader defending his heavyweight title against Chet Congo. And a fight that... I don't know, man. To be honest, I wasn't really... I didn't really feel one way or another... Uh, about this fight, but you know, figured worth a watch, you know, just to see. Uh, uh, low key, I kind of wanted to see Congo leave with a belt. I thought that would be cool, but nope, we didn't get that. 
Um, this fight, not a lot happened. Um, Bader threw some, that, I guess the left hand, I guess that's his, uh, that's like his kill shot now. That's his thing. Uh, the jab hook. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's uh, that's what he does. It's but, a uh, giant slayer. <laughs> it, I mean, it, it, it works. King Mo. Yeah, and, it works. And, so I can, yeah, I can't, I can't make fun of it. If you're if past your prime, he will knock you out with that punch. Right. <laughs> so I can't I can't make fun of it. But is it me or does it look kind of weird? It doesn't look weird to you. Like it doesn't look like it's like a. It looks like aesthetically all wrong. Yeah, it, look, it looks really sloppy, kind of. But it, it looks like a panic punch. Like right. <laughs> go for like this big, like power, like because like he jumps forward when he does it. It's like gonna be like this big battering ram punch, and then it's just like uh, it's gonna be this like quick like check hook, and I'm gonna duck my head all the way out the way. Yeah, it just it doesn't it doesn't look aesthetically pleasing. But that aside, I guess um, he landed it a, a few good times. Um, caught him with the left, backed him up a little bit. He got a takedown like I pretty much figured he would, and this is where heavyweight shenanigans start. Um, so he, he gets the takedown. He's got Congo up against the cage. Trying to work ground and pound position and all that, all that good stuff, and he he has Congo pushed back against the cage, and he's he was throwing like some some short punches to the inside, and somehow in this little no, I can't call it an exchange, but in, in the midst of Bader landing this ground and pound, something hits Congo's eye. I guess I don't know what happened. Um, so they stop the fight. They look at his eye. He's in the corner squinting. Eye is, I think it's like his left. I can't remember which eye, but one of the eyes looked like it was closed. Not like swollen, but like, you know, got poked, couldn't see, whatever. That whole that whole business. And then the fight just ends up getting stopped. And it's just very anticlimactic. Very... And a card that was pretty good, like, I was really looking forward to this card. I was really looking forward to this featherweight tournament. And it gave us some some pretty good moments, and you just kind of don't want to see a card end with such a dud. Like, it How just, dare you? <laughs> it's, it's he defended his title. Uh, did he? <laughs> I hooked him by a crook. <laughs> did he defend it though? Let me. Was Congo not on the ground? Was I he mean, not, he was. Was he not getting punched in the face? Yeah, I mean, and. To be honest, had the fight kept going, I, I don't think the outcome would have been... This like, I, I kind of expected that to happen. Like, he was just going to take him down and ride him out and either eventually get a finish or it would just be a five rounds of that. I wasn't expecting much else. Um, it ended in no contest. I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't have a lot of, to... I think you're more enthused. <laughs> All I got from this was, and you know what made it worse? Because I actually I cut it off right when it was over, so I, I didn't see the post-fight shenanigans until this morning, and then I wake up and I see Bader and Rampage Jackson yelling at each other, and I'm like, oh god, 
They just, yeah. This is what happens when you build your entire heavyweight <laughs> division around old people. Yeah. These, and these, Ryan Bader. Yeah. These, these are the moments you get. But, uh, this, mm. this ain't do it for me, man. Mm. Really uh, flat ending. I, I, I will say, um, I, I'm sad that Ryan Bader couldn't get the TKO finish that we all knew was coming eventually in this fight. Um, but yeah, um, I, like I'm trying to think, who the fuck is even next? Well, well I, probably, I, I, probably Minikoff. He, he beat up on, uh, that's right. Uh, yeah, he beat up on Or, uh, Tim Johnson, I should say. Yeah, to- Tim Johnson, Tony Johnson. The guy with the mustache who he flung around like a child. Hand the, yeah, handlebar, man. Um, yeah. Yeah, no. Like, uh, heavyweight MMA does not enthuse me 99% of the time. So, like, uh, at least this is a way to keep it interesting because Bader, unlike D- DC, he was even projected to be heavyweight champion had he not gone down to lay heavyweight champ. So, it's different. Um,. Yeah, uh, the rest of car was good. That's what I yeah. said. Yeah, <laughs> that's how you describe that fight. The rest of the car was good, and this was just a thing that happened. I will say though, in Bader's defense, uh, he continues his streak of like, like he's just barely been touched since he's been in Bellator outside of like one fight. Like he's just kind of been in there just. His his damage rate has gone down significantly <laughs> since he's been in Bellator. So, kudos, I guess. And it's not his fault. You know, he was handling business, doing what he was supposed to do. Right. And... Ryan Bear is out here collecting checks, cutting really awkward promos, <laughs> and, and just li- trying to live his best life. I ain't, I ain't mad at it. You know, it, it is. Th- these moments happen. You just don't like it to be, like, the main event, like. You know, you don't, you know. And then it's just heavyweight, just heavyweight, heavyweight shenanigans to me because it's heavyweight make everything worse. Like, I feel like it amplifies how just kind of meh it is when it's a heavyweight fight. But, I don't know. It is what it is. Ron Bader defended his belt, I guess, uh, even though it ended in a no contest. Bring on Minikov. I'm not interested in a rematch of this. But knowing Bellator and the uh, infatuation and love and lust that they have for heavyweights, I wouldn't be surprised if they rebooked this for some other card. But we'll see. Ron Bader is still the heavyweight champ. Vitaly Minikov is somewhere lurking in the shadows. We'll see how that turns out. Now on to some fights that like actually finished and concluded. Uh, and that like we can actually talk about. <laughs> I mean, this next one is not any more like, happy. Yeah, yeah, this, that, I I should have seen, I think I was so hyped for this tournament because I, I thought it was, like, it, I, I just looked at the lineup and I was like, oh man, this tournament's going to be awesome. And I have enjoyed it so far. But I should have forecasted some moments like this, and the fight afterwards, which we'll get to, that I should have known, like, oh man, I'm going to get some moments that are going to kind of, they're going to hurt a little bit. They're gonna be. They're gonna hurt, and they're gonna be a little hard to watch. Um, but co-main event, 
uh, and the rest of these fights mentioned on the main card are all in the uh, featherweight Grand Prix. Uh, so Derek Campos versus former champion, uh, multiple champ, multiple time champion, uh, Daniel Strauss. Uh, for those that don't know Daniel Strauss's story, like I said, former champ. Uh, then he got into a really bad motorcycle accident. They didn't know if he was gonna walk again. Uh, has to go through a whole rehab. You know that that whole that whole thing ends up not only being able to walk again, but he you know ends up being able to fight again. I can't remember who his comeback fight was against. I, I know we covered it. Um, I just can't remember the gentleman that he fought. But um, you know he didn't he didn't look like the Strauss of old, but. Just considering, like, what happened to him, it was kind of wild that, like, he's actually, like, fighting. Um, it, it looked like a fight where he was still trying to get his bearings back under him. Like, he wasn't doing anything crazy. He was just kind of, let me just kind of get my feet wet again kind of fight. Right. Um, and then this fight against Campos was just, uh, yeah. He did not look... And I don't want to take anything away from Campos because he kind of, he really took it to him. Like, he was able to get Strauss down repeatedly and just kind of, he was able to control him and just kind of, like, beat him up. And just looking at Strauss is just kind of just, I don't say, I don't know, I don't know if body language is the word, but... Yeah. Like that when he when he gets hit by that left hook and like his right his left arm or was his right arm or his left arm they just completely like shut down on him. Right. Yeah. This is dude. Yeah, it was a bad. It was it was a bad look. It it looked. You you could just tell that he his body just wasn't like there. Like it just it was not coming together for him at all. Like he was getting taken down pretty easily with little to not much effort. He couldn't really offer much of anything off of his back or and like, like you said, like I think that was the third round when uh the hook came and his arm just kinda shut down. And you could you could tell after the fight, like when he got back up, like he didn't even want the stool. Like they went to uh give him the stool and he like shoved the stool out of the way. Like he looked really just dejected and just kinda like like yeah, he no. was very he was very aware of probably how the <laughs> optics of that fight looked, mm-hmm. and he just looked really frustrated. And he, I, God, this, now I'm thinking about it. This whole weekend was as good as it was. There were a lot of good fights this weekend, but I would say this fight, the next fight that we'll get to, and then the Habib Dustin fight. These were like all three fights where I really felt for a dude. Where like I just kind of looked at them and their performance, how the fight went, and it's like, dude, I feel. I feel really bad for them. Like, legit feel like, damn, I wish I could just kind of give you a hug and <laughs> tell you, like, yo, it's going to be all right. Because it just, we get on here and we root for fighters and, you know, it's all a good time. But sometimes you watch fights and it's like, that wasn't actually fun to watch. Like, that actually looked kind of painful. Um, and that this was just one of those fights for me. Hmm. And I don't have, like, there's not much to add, like, this fight was Campos getting on top and, like, fighting for, um, arm triangles while intermittently throwing, like, ground and pound that wasn't completely devastating, but was pretty hard. And, like, Strauss looking just completely, like, not, not spent, but, like, 
cooked. Like he could get nothing going. Like even when he was on the field, it was just it felt like he wasn't doing anything. And then he, apparently he um yeah, the motorcycle accident that kept him out for so long. Uh like it, apparently his neck injury got re triggered and ugh. Ugh. Yeah. Every so often we get a fight that just reminds us like, yeah, this brute is uh this sport is kind of uh it's brutal, man. It is it is brutal. Time catches everybody, man. Yeah. Yeah. But um he wasn't the only former uh, featherweight champion to not make it out of the first round of the 16-man tournament. Yeah, yikes. But congrats to Derek Campos. Uh, I don't want to undermine, but he uh, he went out and handled business, man. Like, he really went out there and just kind of took it to Strauss. He won via unanimous decision. Uh, I'm sorry our moods aren't lifted <laughs> for this performance. It was, it was really hard to watch. Well, we both like Daniel Strauss. Like, the, yeah. the story was... The story of him becoming champ was great. Him, his fights with Pat Curran and, you know, Patricio Pitbull are some of the best um, multi-fight series in MMA, not to mention Bellator history. Like, it sucks. It sucks because, like, we see the end. Yeah. These, the Strauss and the Curran fight to me felt like, I don't say like the torch was getting passed, but it just kind of felt like, oh man, I think like the transition is happening. Because like Curran, well, Curran probably before Strauss, but like Curran and Strauss for the longest times were like, at one point, like they, they were those dudes. Like, and now it just seems almost like, oh man, this, they're not, they're not that guy anymore. Like, those, those glory days are kind of, ugh. You hate to see it. You hate to see it. But I guess we can just move on to the Borks. Uh, <laughs> moving on to another fight. They kind of just... Th- this one, not so much. I-, I-, I don't think I felt as bad as this one for Strauss. But it was still kind of like a gut check. Uh, Adam Borks versus Pat Curran. Um, uh, I felt like this fight started off kind of slow. like And... With Curran, you kind of lately never know really what you're going to get. Um, he wasn't really, in, in this fight and some of his most previous fights, like he's not the most active. He he does a lot of, a lot of just kind of, I don't say fighting to not get hit, but like, I don't know, like it just seems like he's really like hesitant to like kind of pull the trigger. Hey, that's the story of Curran's whole career. But no, like it's it seems to be in like hyperdrive mode now. Um, this was a very good fight up until like the finish. Um, Borks was like it was a lot of one punch at a time, one kick at a time type of striking. Um, and Borks just decides to sell out. Unlike the Jose Aldo Cubs wants a knee, flying knee. Right. <laughs> he threw it like three times. Yeah. Uh, hit him right to the side of the head with it, too. Um, and even then, it didn't seem like Curran was all that hurt. Either he has like the best poker phase ever. He's just like, oh, I'm going down now. Yeah. <laughs> but 
no, I, I like I like Borks though, man. Like he's pretty rangy. Um, you know, did did work the leg kicks. It, it felt like he could have done a bit more because I, you know, it's not like Curran was really offering uh much of anything. Yeah, he wasn't much, much offering much of anything because like it almost felt like he could have put the pedal could put put the pedal faster a bit sooner, but. I mean, he, he was like we said. He he went for that flying knee like three times. Like he, he was he he was really trying to do that. Um, but I I like Borg so like he he eventually did you know get the got the fight where it needed to go. He he wanted that flying knee and he got it. Um, like I said, caught current on the side, got him down. Um, it almost seemed was it me? It almost seemed like the finish. Uh, where he's on top of Kern, he's raining down punches. He did the the double. <laughs> you know, like when your little brother fights, <laughs> like he does the double fist pummel. Like, yeah, I saw that. Like, <laughs> that was that was weird. It always reminds me of, like a little kid fighting when somebody does that. Like, you're you're a pro fighter. Don't do that. Don't don't do the little kid pummel. But it almost seemed like the finish was out of not even like damage. Just it was just like Kern just wasn't like he just had nothing, and the ref was like, "All right, like." Cause I mean, I'm pretty sure I've seen Kern take worse, but he was just kind of just he was like a sitting duck. He was kind of just there. Um. But uh, yeah, this was just another one of those fights where the whole fight I was like, "Man, I can't believe this is the Kern who fought." Like the pit bull fights. That first pit bull fight with Kern is like one of the best fights ever that nobody talks about. Um, and Borks just kind of went in there and just, just kind of handled him. I didn't say manhandled him, but yeah, I think we all kind of knew where the fight was going. Right after like, a certain point. And like it, this is a like yeah, this is a problem that like um, Kern has always had. Like he has a lack of urgency, lack of output. Um, and we, we've seen this as far back as this fight with Eddie Alvarez, where, like, he completely shut down. And uh, Alvarez just went in there and, like, kind of just outpointed him to the decision. But, like, it's becoming harder and harder for him to pull the trigger. And it's kind of scary. Because, um, you know, like, what... If you're not offering any offensive return, like what are you even doing in there? Um, right. He hasn't won a fight in like two years, but he also had to take two years off because of injury, which is another thing. He's dude's been riddled with injuries throughout like the most recent parts of his career. Um, I don't know. I, 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 I. It's not like he's out here taking like a s ton of damage, but at the same time, it's like. One, one, like, someone's going to do an, an Adam Borix, but it's not going to be, like, a fine A. It's going to be, like, they're going to come after you for the entirety of the fight, and how are you going right. to handle that? Like, AJ McKee Jr. was completely okay, just, like, chilling at range and, um, you know, just kicking Curran every once in a while just to rack up points, but, like, that's not going to be everybody. Yeah, somebody's going to try to kill you. <laughs> somebody's going to come in there... And they're gonna try. They're gonna see that footage of you being like really timid, and they're gonna try to take your head off. And it's it's not gonna be uh, it's not gonna be pretty. Um, I don't know. But if there if there's one positive that I got from that fight, um, 
I was really interested to see how like a lot of the younger dudes were going to do in this tournament. Um, and I think as much as it sucks to see guys like Curran and Strauss kind of take these kind of losses, on, on, on the other side, it's, it's good to see that like there's other... Well, Compost has kind of been around for a little bit. But, uh, compost is different, but the, yeah. your Borks, your um, Carvalho's, uh, Emmanuel Sanchez just seems to be coming into his own. Right. Um, you know, on the other side of the bracket, you got you know, AJ McCann here, Pitbull, still Pitbull for the most part, which is scary. Because that's a dude who, if you had given me a list of like Curran and Strauss and Pitbull and be like, who would have faded, who will fade first? I would have been like, Probably the small dude who relies on athleticism a lot. But uh, no, he's still here. Yep, still here. Still knocking dudes out. You know, Juan Archuleta. Um, yeah, they got like a little, they, they got a solid ass division behind them. So Yeah. And you're seeing like some newer faces because the, the top of Bellator featherweight for a while was just patty cake between Kerr and Pitbull and Strauss. Well, Pitbull still, he's still in the game. <laughs> but. Like, we're seeing some newer, fresher faces. And I think that's a good thing. Right. That's a good thing. Um, so props to Borks, man. I'm, I'm looking forward to see seeing what else uh, he can do in this tournament. So uh, he got Curran out of there via TKO. And uh, round two with a, a flying knee met, <laughs> mixed up with some elbows and, you know, little little brother punches. <laughs> but you know props to him got the job done uh moving on down to featherweight as the name we just mentioned i don't know why i said moving down to featherweight the rest of these fights are all featherweights uh pedro carvajo uh versus sam cecilia uh pretty good pretty good fight man i, I enjoyed this sam cecilia i thought it had like a decent start um it was at one point, I can't remember what happened or what Carvalho did, but he ended up on the ground for it. Um, I can't remember if he tried to drop for a guillotine and just didn't get it. It was something Carvalho did that ended up putting him on the ground. And Cecilia was able to control him like for uh, a decent amount of time, but wasn't able to, I guess, do enough with it. And once they kind of reset, I don't know, I feel like from that point on, like Carvalho kind of, I say had the fight in control, but it kind of seemed like he was, yeah, I guess kind of say he had it in control. Like he was, seems like he's pretty well rounded. I, I can't, I don't really remember. I like Carval is a name I remember, but I, his fights for whatever reason don't really stick out to me. But I like, I know I've seen him fight before. I just don't remember him. But he seems like pretty well rounded. Like he's pretty solid on the feet, and obviously getting the neck crank, ground game uh, ain't, ain't too shabby. <laughs> so. um... Wild to still, still see Sam Cecilia out here, too. Another guy who was, like, randomly in the UFC for a while and then kind of found his home over here. Everybody still out here, still fighting. Fighter, bro. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, and it was a nice, it was a fun, uh, a fun scrap. Just, Cavajo was just kind of able to to get the better of him. And, boy, that, that neck crank, when you just kind of eek, just jawbone pressure. <laughs> like, it just... That looks painful. That looks like something I don't ever really want to experience. But Carvajal kind of like Borics, 
another guy. Um, I don't think he's undefeated overall. I think he's undefeated in Bellator, though, I want to say. I could be wrong. I feel like he's like 3-0, 4-0 or something. But e either who. Like another just another new newer face in Bellator. Another young guy who you hope can can turn into something. Because um, we, we need more people to break up the patty cake belt <laughs> situation that was happening. So I think it's good for Bellator when a guy like Carvalho can come in and really get a win over a solid veteran, a guy like Cecilia, who's you know been in a lot of action fights, a uh, pretty solid veteran, and Carvalho was able to to come in and pretty much ha handle business. You know, pretty solid striking, pretty solid grappling, and obviously you know with the neck crank, he, he seems pretty well rounded. So I'm 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 looking forward to seeing what else he can do. Uh, yeah, I, I, I remember his knockout of, uh, Campos, like, but Carvalho for the longest time, I remember, like, I've seen his name, but, like, he always fights on, like, the prelims, so, yeah, it's, or, or on cards, like, I just don't watch because this is, like, did nothing on them, but, uh, like, he's been around for a couple of years, I want to say he was, like, I've seen him, I want to say he was, like, one of those dudes who got in on, like, a tryout, I could be wrong about that. Um, but, yeah, no, super, uh, no, well, I can't say overly impressive, it's still Sam Cecilia, and as, uh, as dangerous as he is, he's still very susceptible to, you know, being taken down to get his back snatched the way he did, um, uh, but, you know, good win for Carvalho, um, dude has momentum behind him, like, it's 4-0 in Bellator, like I said, he just knocked out Derek Campos, not even, like, four months ago. Um, so, depending on how the brackets shake out, like, let me, let me see if I can find, uh, a bracket real quick. Like, if they already have the, um, like, we already know what the lineup's gonna be. Well, I can't remember if it's this round or the next round, but I think at one point, there's not gonna really be, like, a bracket. Like, they're gonna be, really? it's gonna be a random selection. I think I remember reading that, like, when this tournament first happened. I can't remember if it's after the first or second round, but... At some point, like, it's not going to be a bracket. They're just going to randomly draw names, and whoever you get matched up with, you get matched up with. Okay. Um, I I guess this is just like a, a random bracket somebody puts together for Wikipedia, then. Um, oh, I could be wrong. That might have been the Invicta card. I don't know. I, I'm pretty sure I thought I read that somewhere. All right. It also says bracket subject to change, so I'm not going to take that's word, because it does say that they're going to run back Campos versus... um. Next, and I think that'd be really interesting, especially since you know, Campos coming off the bigger win, or at least in name value. Um, so I don't know, like, um, like the, the Bellator Featherweight Grand Prix is probably the most interesting thing they've done. Like, and you know, they just they're coming off the Welterweight Grand Prix, but like the Welterweight Grand Prix, like, I, I, I there was something about it that felt a little bit off to me where it's like, okay, this is really like a two person race. Like, with this one, I don't know who's going to come out on top. Yeah, this one has a lot more wild cards in it. Like, the wild card of the Bellator Welterweight Grand Prix was, like, will Rory McDonald fall apart or give up MMA <laughs> before he re-reaches the finals? And he did it. Right. So, um, yeah, no. Um, yeah, no, like, really good fight. Really good performance from Carvalho. Um, Probably doesn't want to end up on the bottom of guys like Sam Cecilia. 
in the future because he did at the end of the first round and Cecilio is a scary dude when he's throwing ground and pound. Um, but other than that, good win, good performance, good little face crank to get to the, the, the win. Um, so why was Taiwan Claxton in this tournament? Well, yeah. Speaking of moving on to the uh, next, like, and, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not disparaging his performance here because he did well for a dude who was in his sixth pro fight. But like, you could have put like John Teixeira in this in this position, or Ashley Grimshaw, or um, you know, tried to get Goiti Yamauchi to compete. But like, I, I get why they did it because they did the same thing with um. Ed Ruth, who was pretty obviously just not ready yet. Yeah. Like, you get the, the you kind of hope that their wrestling and pure athleticism just carries them through, but, like. It don't. <laughs> it really doesn't. Um, maybe yeah. maybe it was, this was, like, Coker trying to nudge him into getting, like, a real coach as opposed to being, like, his own head coach. Yeah, that's wild when they said that during commentary. I was like, well, how does that even work? Like, how are you your own, your own head coach? That's, uh. I remember I went to a ring of combat like years and years ago and the dude didn't have a head coach or even a corner. He was like self-trained. Like he's like, he literally trains in his own garage or whatever. So, um, dude literally had nobody in his corner. So he like, he got knocked. Oh my God. He fought Costas Philippou. Ew, he got he probably caught it. <laughs> well, I, I, I want to say I want to say ended in a low go, like oh. as Philip who was about to beat his ass, but it was like really awkward. He like stormed out the cage and there was nobody to stop him. It was funny. Jesus Christ! But <laughs> the fighting question: uh, Emmanuel Sanchez versus Taiwan Claxton. <clears throat> Yeah, th- th- this was a fight that when the tournament got announced that I had my eye on, I was just wondering, like, I wonder how far Taiwan can go. And, well, we found that out, and it, it wasn't very far. Like, um, obviously, this this tournament's full of killers, but, like, Emmanuel Sanchez is probably not the dude you want your, your, uh, your blue chipper to fight in the first round if you want him to advance, so. Yeah, uh. Because I think dude is basically since twenty since he lost to Daniel even before that like he has been just good. Yeah, he's been on one. <laughs> he's been on one. Like I, I don't know what has changed in his training or if he changed camps or whatever, but like he has been like on it, and he almost took the title off of Patricio. Yeah, he gave him a hard five, especially those last. Those last couple, like he was to go five rounds with Patricio is crazy enough. Like you didn't get knocked out, but to go five rounds and like make it competitive, you know, yeah, he he he's been on one, and I kind of realized even though like you said Taiwan definitely had success in this fight, it wasn't like he got completely washed. Um, he was able to get Sanchez down a few times. But I think the difference in between this fight and a lot of Taiwan's other fights is I think this was probably the first guy he's fought who can kind of... I don't know if Sanchez maybe is as physically strong as Claxton, 
But, like, his skill set is just really well-rounded, and he can kind of match what Taiwan can do. Or, like, even if it, he can't physically, he just he has answers for what Taiwan throws at him. Like, all right, you're going to take me down. I can throw up submissions from my back. I'm going to hit you with elbows while I'm on the ground. Because the entire time that Taiwan had him down, he didn't really inflict a lot of damage. Like, he was he was in defense mode a lot of the time because Sanchez was throwing up triangles and, <laughs> like, he was constantly just being busy um, on the ground and on the feet. Like, when they stood up, like, there was not a moment that Sanchez wasn't, like, walking him down or just getting in his face. Or kicking him in the gut. That body right. kick. <laughs> yeah, like, and Taiwan has never, he's never had to fight somebody who brings those kind of issues. Like, he's normally the one I can get in your face and take you down, beat you, beat you up, make the night miserable. But with Sanchez, it's like the second I get back up from this takedown, it's on. Like, I'm right back in your face. I'm throwing shots, and I'm not giving you a whole lot of time to react. And, all right, you get me down, so what? You're going to have to work for every little ounce. (laughs) Every little ounce that you get, you got to work for. Exactly. And, And, like, even when he was on the ground, it was just like there there was no rest. Mm-mm. He was eating elbows, had to defend some submissions. And then that last takedown, the one in the second round, where um, he had to work really hard for that takedown. And then he finally got Sanchez down, and Sanchez was able to get his leg kind of around Taiwan's head, like right after the takedown. And then I think he was, uh, yeah, he was. it took him a while to get it like in and adjusted, but... He had that triangle up there. He was a... Uh, he had the inverted triangle. Yeah. He had an inverted triangle. He was uh, holding Taiwan's arm hostage. And then he had to do a lot of adjustments to kind of get the triangle tight the way he wanted it. And eventually he got it. And like I said, that's all because this entire fight, no matter if they were on the feet or on the ground, like, I don't think Taiwan's used to really having to work that hard, like... But Sanchez isn't the guy who's just gonna let you sit in his guard and just beat him up, like. Exactly. Yeah, you got to work for this. And uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sanchez got that that triangle in, and I I, I think this is a, a good loss for Taiwan. Like, I think I think sometimes you need that good kind of reality check that like not all of your fights are gonna go a certain way. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. I, I think I go back to it a lot because it's it's always like the prime example to me. It's like Alex Hernandez learning he just can't bully everybody when uh, when you know Donald Cerrone beat his ass. It's like, oh, okay, I have to actually learn how to do the things I want to do, as opposed to just like bully myself to that position. There are other bullies out there. They don't uh they don't take kind. Exactly. <laughs> shenanigans. Yeah, they're they're not for it. Um so yeah, I got my answer uh, question answered quick. I was wondering how far Taiwan could go. And unfortunately it wasn't out of the first round. Um but hopefully it'd be a humbling experience. Hopefully he does get a head coach because like I could I ain't gonna say I could see because I feel like nobody should do this. Um, like in any sport, like <laughs> you shouldn't be in any sport and not have some kind of head coach or overseer or something, because you're not gonna catch everything. Like, there's no, 
there's nothing you do in life, not even not even just including fighting, that you're gonna 100% do right, like kind of just on your own, or even if you do get it right somewhat, having an overseer or somebody who can kind of just look over your work is gonna help you get better. And I have no reason to think fighting won't is is no different. Like you need somebody to oversee these holes that you have in your game, somebody who can forecast something that you might miss. Somebody who can tell you about a guy like Sanchez who ain't gonna be for what you're trying to throw at him. Exactly. Yeah, you need you need to coach for these situations. So maybe it was a humbling experience. Maybe it's something he needed. Hopefully the next time we hear about Taiwan he has a head coach. Uh, I really hate to see him be a guy who has like he has some upside and you don't want to see it be wasted or not realize his full potential because he just like didn't get a head coach and he's just kind of out here just like nomad training <laughs> he's like Ryu out here on Street Fighter just walking on concrete just training in random places no no direction but um nah man Emmanuel Sanchez is that dude man he's he's been on one He's really been on one. I can't, I can't call him the favorite to win this tournament just because of um, like the logistics of like who like just freaking like they said this tournament's full of just freaking insane talent. But like, it wouldn't surprise me if he wins. Yeah, it, or I'll, I'll say at the very least, he's probably a favorite. I would think to at least make it to the. He'll he'll be in that final matchup. If he'll win it, I don't know, but he'll get there. Um, but nah, man. Manuel Sanchez, keep doing what you're doing. Dude, dude has been out here really on a roll, beasting as of late, really just improving and getting better, and that's that's something you want to see. So shout-outs to Manuel Sanchez. Uh, won via triangle choke over Taiwan Claxton. And the last fight on the main card, uh, Daniel Carey versus Gaston Bolanos. Uh, this was not a part of the Grand Prix. Uh, or was it? I don't think it was. No. Yeah, yeah, this was just a featherweight fight, not not a part of the Grand Prix. Um, so I didn't actually see this fight because the MMA core and the other site I used did not have it up. And hmm. oh, for those like I don't have the zone anymore, or at least at the moment, um, uh, just because you know money. But uh, I was trying to stream it last night, and whoever was in charge of the stream just forgot to change the stream over from the Bellator prelim stream to um, the zone. So it was like four hours of complete, uh, just like staring at a screen that said, <laughs> Bellator prelims completed. Please go to thezone.com for the, uh, the rest of the main card. I was like, okay. Yeah, they either forgot or they didn't pay the bill. <laughs> they, were, they were waiting for a rerun. I don't know. But, um... It was a it was a pretty pretty good fight. You know what's crazy? It was a, it was one of those fights where uh, Bolanos uh, looked good until he didn't. Um, I think obviously from this fight you saw who was definitely better on the feet. Um, I, I don't think that was really much a question. Not that like Bolanos was out here landing like really crazy shots, but he was picking his shots really well. Um, and I, I want to say he, he caught Carey pretty flush. Uh, I cannot remember. I want to say it was like a left. But he was landing some really, really good strikes. Like, he wasn't out there a while now. He was picking his shots really well. Um, and it kind of looked like had the fight kept going the way it was going, 
like Bellano seemed like he was kind of picking up steam. He was really, he had like his range and distance and timing and everything down. And it was like, all right, if this keeps going at the rate it's going, then he he might end up finding a knockout. Like it, it seemed like it was headed toward that direction. But um, MMA man, it's all about like l- these little split second moments. <laughs> so um, I think carry through like a right hook. And Bellano's like, he, he ducked it out. Like, he, he just literally just ducked his head to, like, kind of weave away from it. And while he had his head down, ducking out the hook, Kerry snatches up his neck. Um, snatches up his neck, has to work a little positioning real quick. Drops down for the guillotine, like, and he, he's really, really cranking on it, going for it. And it was wild because they, they literally dropped to the mat. And Big John McCarthy on commentary is like, oh, Bolanos is, is fine in this position. He's resting at the bottom. He's not in danger. Bro, Bolanos was done. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> Big John's like, oh, no, he's good. He's safe. And three seconds later, like, Carrie's looking up at the ref telling him, like, yo, he's out. <laughs> and when they let go, like, the ref asked uh, Bolanos, like, three times, like, show me you're still there. Show me you're still there. Nothing happened. Bolanos is just a, a, a corpse. Like, <laughs> Kerry let, Kerry let the, the, the guillotine go, and Bolanos is just, like, lifeless. Damn. So, yeah, Big John, he was not okay. <laughs> he, was, he was not okay. Things were not going well. Yeah, Bruce, but, um, you're losing. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, that's how that fight went. Shout out to Daniel Carey. That was a pretty nasty, uh, nasty guillotine. Um, I know a lot of people like Blanos, but, uh, hey man, life is, uh, it happens fast sometimes. Just happens fast sometimes. But, uh, that was the, uh, main event <laughs> of, not the main event, that was the main card of Bellator 226. Um, like I said, because we're covering two cards, we won't really be focusing on prelims, but just to name a few, uh, Adam Piccolotti got a submission rear naked choke over Jacob Smith, uh, Jessica Borga defeated Amber Lybrock via armbar, uh, Cass Bell had a really nasty guillotine over Isaiah Roca, um, and, uh, John Teixeira defeated Ashley Grimshaw via TKO, uh, I think that was the fight where I saw a picture. He had a really nasty cut on his, like, eye or something. I want to be say. Uh, I want to say. But, um, and I guess for, uh, anybody who is, uh, in- yeah, interested, I didn't watch this because I don't like seeing limbs, uh, contort. Or bend in ways that they naturally shouldn't. Um, I think this was the fight. Like I said, I didn't watch it. Uh, it was on the Bellator post limbs. Which why are there post limbs? Stop. <laughs> why are there post limbs? But um, on the Bellator post limbs, I think it was the Tyson Miller versus Albert Gonzalez fight. And this clip has been floating around on Twitter, so I'm pretty sure you can find it. But apparently there was a nasty leg break that somebody described that it was very um, Anderson Silva-esque. And uh, that description enough for me was to say, you know what, I'm good. Excuse me, I'm not going to watch that. I don't want to see legs bending and twisting 
that's not for me. That that makes me very uncomfortable. <laughs> I don't, don't want to see it. But if that's your kind of thing, if you want to uh, stomach that, uh, go go watch that on the post limbs. I heard that was a thing that happened, so go go check that out. Uh, if you if you please, but don't say I didn't warn you. Depending on how nasty it looks. But that was Bellator 226. Uh, outside of the Czech Congo and Ron Bader fight, it was a pretty dope card. Uh, I'm I'm loving the featherweight Grand Prix. Interested, like I said, guys like Borks, guys like Sanchez. Um, I want to see this this kind of uh, uh, quote unquote newer generation, just kind of next next up guys. I, w- I want to see what they can do in this tournament. So so far so good, man. I, I enjoyed it. It was sad to see you know guys like Strauss and Kern just kind of go out the way they did, but it is what it is, man. It Simon May, some forgiving at times, but that was Bellator 226. Yeah. Moving on. Yay. There we go. Moving on to another card that was uh pretty good. Really good actually. I, I enjoyed this a lot. I wasn't like really excited about like some of the prelims on this card. And I I felt like I, I pulled something. Like I got a lot. I didn't say I got a lot, but I was entertained. I I, I enjoyed this card. So but uh, before we talk about like the fights, um something that just colored my whole reading on how I watched them. And they brought this up like they during every fight, so they knew it was an issue. Um so UFC two forty two went down in Abu Dhabi, Dubai. Um you wanna guess how hot it was? There was a hundred and twenty. It was a hundred degrees, <laughs> but with the humidity factor in, it was, it felt like it was hundred and twenty two degrees. Yeah. And um, <laughs> the stadium that they were occupying for the event um, was built specifically for the event. And, you know, we'll get to who built it when I, we get to shout-outs and shots. But um, they, there's no AC unit. Like, they have portable one, like portable fans and stuff that I think they were using. But there's not an AC unit, like, if you were to go to um, a news, like, the, the Barclays Center, and it's, like, 120 degrees outside, but it's, like, you know, 70, 75 inside the building. They, they don't have any central air or anything. And, so it was just hot. Yeah. Right. And from what I saw, like, uh, on Twitter from, like, a lot of, like, the analysts and just, like, people, uh, people who are, like, media who are covering the event... They were saying, like, when you got close to the, the cage, because, like, that's where, like, a lot of the lights are. <laughs> I think one of them said at one point, there was literal, like, steam rising from the ground because of how hot it was. Mm. Um, and, like, every fight, I don't say every fighter, but I know they mentioned Bilal Muhammad and a couple of other guys on the prelims who fought really early on the card. A lot of them mentioned when their fights were over, like, bruh, it is, like, unbearably hot in there. Like, they were ready to get out of there so, because like, of how hot it was. Yeah, and I get that, like, the the, U, the the monetary reasons why the UFC went to Dubai and everything like that, but, like, I feel like you could put it in there that you could build an AC unit for the event or, like, put it in a building with it. Like, you know, make it bearable for the people who have to actually fight. But, like, it seemed pretty clear during a lot of these fights that dudes were just like they were just steaming 
And like I could I couldn't be upset with some of the performances because it's like okay I I, I want to be mad about how bad that fight was or how under um how underwhelming your performance was, but but, but like <laughs> you're you're yeah like it, it's a hundred thirty degrees in that in that cage probably like how the hell are you even managing to like not pass out. I was amazed that anybody who was doing any kind of grappling, because I imagine that would be the most uncomfortable. Yeah. Like, it's 120 degrees. Why are you sweating on top of me grabbing me? Leave me alone. Like, <laughs> can we just stand and strike? Like, I'm not trying to grapple in 120 degree weather. Um, so, shout outs to every fighter on this card who just had to. I couldn't imagine. I could not imagine. I would imagine if I fought on this card and they tried to get me to come to Abu Dhabi next year, I'm good, bro. Uh, I imagine I would have fucking turned around and gone home. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah, I'm not staying for... I ain't staying for nothing. Like, if I was on the prelims and I'm the first fight, if I'm Don Madge, I'm going home. <laughs> first fight on the card, I win. I'm going straight home. I don't want to see nothing else. I ain't stopping at the concession. Well, I might stop getting get some water because I'm definitely going to need that. But, yeah, I'm not watching nothing. I'm going right back home. Because that is, that's crazy. That is crazy. But, <laughs> all that aside, even though it will, probably will come up later. Uh, you know who that you were, didn't slow down? Ooh, yeah. 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 Did the, it it might have empowered him somehow. <laughs> like, <laughs> he might have thrived off of it. Um, UFC 242, man. Habib Nurmagomedov versus Dustin Poirier taking place in Abu Dhabi. We'll, we'll just get uh, right to it. So, I, I spent a couple days prior to this card uh, watching a lot of footage uh, of both of these gentlemen trying to trying to really figure out who I thought was going to win. Because in, in my mind, I was trying to convince myself in ways that Dustin could win this fight. Um, and I, I, I envisioned that he could give Habib some problems. And the one thing I envisioned happened, but it only lasted about 20 seconds. <laughs> then it be, just didn't become a thing anymore. But um, I was expecting, because I, I watched Habib's fight versus uh, uh, Quinta, and even moments in the Connor fight, even though they didn't really amount to much, like, there were moments where Habib was clearly winning, but, like, he gets a little wee bit reckless in his stand-up sometimes. And I was like, if there's one guy who can capitalize that on that, it'll be Poirier. Like, Poirier can crack really hard. Um, he's really good with, like, combinations if he gets in the pocket. I was like, he could ca- he could definitely catch Habib slipping on one of these little reckless moments and, like, stun him. And now we got, like, a real situation going on. And um, that happened, but boy, was it very short-lived. Um, in a nutshell, man, this, it was a Habib fight. And in the write-up that I did that you guys won't get to see, <laughs> but in my prediction that I wrote down of this fight, I ended up ultimately, even though I was trying to convince myself to pick Poirier, I had to go with Habib because I looked at the people that Dustin has fought, and while he has had a crazy resume, I'm like, he hasn't fought anybody who has just a pedigree that Habib has in terms of grappling like not even close like he hasn't fought in anybody who really 
pressured him with takedowns like at all. Like a lot of Dustin fights have just been, yo, we about to just stand and we just going to throw leather and one of us is going to live and one of us isn't. He hasn't fought somebody who's just going to relentlessly go for takedowns and constantly shooting doubles and grabbing at your leg, just anything he can do to get a takedown. He hasn't faced anybody like that. Not not as a recent. The only dude who's, I think, even bothered to like make that a central part of his game against um, Dustin Poirier was Eddie Alvarez. And he when he, took a, when he tried to take him down, he got him down. Yeah. And when I saw that, I think that was in their first... No, no, that was in their second fight. Yeah. Uh, that was the one that Poirier ended up winning. But, yeah, I was like, if Eddie can get you down and not have to really work too hard for it, yeah, Habib's definitely gonna... He's gonna take you down. And, um... What was really amazing about this fight, other than it just obviously being... Like, he kind of put on a master class on Poirier. But, like, the, <laughs> I think this happened twice, but one, I only remember it, one of them distinctively. There was a moment where Dustin was, you know, trying to fend off a takedown where I got him taken down. And he tried to hit, like, the between-the-leg switch, and he still got mounted. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like on anybody else, he would have probably gotten back up. And, bro, he tried to hit the switch, and it just did not matter. Like, Khabib, like, literally threw his, like, as he's reaching down, Khabib literally throws his um his hips all the way back. And then we just swim around Dustin's back as he's trying to hit the switch. Yeah. And when oh that happened, God. I was like, oh no. This is <laughs> this is over. Like you, you know when I knew it was over? When Dustin started going for the guillotines. Bro, I Oh my God. Like watching Khabib kind of just handle him i'm just imagining like this is 120 degree weather this man is on top of you beating you up no matter what you do he's controlling you he's just manhandling you and there's like nothing and it it felt like poirier had he had two hail marys in him he had the one moment where you know like i said be when he when he stand when he does decide to stand and trade um, he can get a wee bit bit reckless, and I think he he doesn't have like some of the best defense. Like he 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 can kind of get caught with his head just kind of straight up in in the air. Um, and Poirier managed to I think he hit him with like a left. He kind of he gave him a little shake. He gave him a little you know you you're not when we're on the feet you're not gonna disrespect me. Like on the ground that's one thing, but when we're standing in the trade and, and we're throwing hands, you're not you're not about to just like put hands on me and think you're not gonna eat something in return. And then that one little, like, 20-second moment where he kind of... That was the one time where I think he got Habib's respect, where he landed a couple of good shots, got Habib to back off a little bit. But that moment was just in a vacuum. It was that one little brief moment. Got taken down after that. Got beat up some more. At some point, he ended up being pretty bloody. Like, he was just getting manhandled in there. Like I said, the switch moment where it, it just didn't matter ended up back on the bottom anyway for all his efforts. And then the Hail Mary, I mean, the, the guillotine was like the Hail Mary shot. Like, it was like, bro, if I can't do this, I've got nothing left. And what was worse afterwards, uh, I don't know if you heard some of the, I didn't watch the post-fight interview, but I, I saw some quotes going around where Habib admitted, that, admitted like the guillotine was good. Like, it was a solid guillotine. And 
I read that Dustin said because you noticed when he went for the guillotine, he didn't he didn't have like both legs like wrapped around Habib. Right, right. He had one on the inside, one on the outside, and he said that the only reason he did that was because he was afraid of ending up like being back in Habib's mouth. Like had he burned his arms out, and now Habib is on top of me, and now it's a whole you know it's a whole situation. And so you almost wonder, like, if you would have went all out for it, like, could he have actually got the choke in? But you'll never know, because he didn't. And he uh, he paid for it dearly. <laughs> like, I, like, so this is Khabib's second title defense at Lightweight, right? Right after McGregor. Um, the record's only three for Lightweight. Um, like, how far are we from calling Khabib the best lightweight? <laughs> like, how far bro, are we from if, calling him MMA's best grappler ever? Like, ha- like he might already, <laughs> he might already be. <laughs> I want to get too far ahead, but my 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 immediate thought during halfway through this fight because I kind of knew like, all right, man, Habib's kind of got this. I was like, bro, if Tony Ferguson can't beat him. I don't know. Fuck beating him. Like, just find someone who's competitive with him. Yeah. Because, like, he's lost one round in his entire UFC career. Maybe more if you count all the, like, depending on what you feel about, like, the Gleason T-Bow fight. But excluding that, Conor McGregor in the third round of their fight is the only time he's arguably lost a round. Like, it's not like he's infallible. It's like, like, at the beginning of the second round, Poirier just decided to say fuck it and start throwing, like, these long combinations. Um, Eventually, he overextended himself on one and got taken down again. But, like, he was tagging could be pretty good and, like, could be had no answer for it. Is it's just that he's so good at the thing, like the one thing he's good at. I shouldn't say one thing. It's it's a it's a, it's a sequence of things. Um, yeah, but he's so good at what he's good, like what he wants to do. Like it just doesn't matter. Um, like goddamn, like that's the th- that's the other thing. Like it feels like he's cheating <laughs> because like the like. The takedowns he hits are takedowns your own like your like Randy Gator would hit on freaking um what's his name? Oh my god, I'm gonna fucking like bash my brains in because I know I know his name. I'm a fan. Chuck Liddell. No. Uh, Brandon Vera. No. I'm just thinking of random people. Randy Gator has fought. <laughs> no, James Tony. Oh. <laughs> like, 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 who hits a like who hits a a low single anymore? You know what I mean? Where like right. you you literally just grab their leg and then like with your hands and pull them down. Like he hit on um on Conor McGregor. Like who does that? Just Khabib. It's scary. Yeah, dude has like he has to be able to like crush like steel pipes with his hands. Like he he's got that type of grip. Like he didn't even have like 
when he sunk in the rear naked choke here, it did, it wasn't like Poirier was all the way back. He was in it for like three seconds, and he was like starting to go back, and he's tapped. He's like, yeah, I, I just can't deal with this. And again, maybe that's the heat mixing in with that. But goddamn. Yeah, it was. <laughs> when I realized this fight was not going to be as competitive as I hoped, I was like, bro, this is a master class. Like, he is really just. He is really out here on another level. Like. And it's crazy because you know what's going to happen. It's not like. It's not like where you're fighting somebody where, like, they're crazy, unpredictable. You don't know what they're going to. You know what Habib is going to do. It's no puzzle. There's no mystery. There's no. There's no crazy science behind what he's gonna do, but he's so good at it that like it doesn't matter. And there's, so far, in what twenty eight fights, twenty nine. Can't remember. That's twenty eight. Uh, twenty eight. Wait, no, twenty. Uh, what? It's ridiculous. It's twenty eight. Yeah. It's a ridiculous number. Nobody's nobody's been able except for T Bow. He T that's crazy. T Bow came the closest. <laughs> like that's wild. T Bow is the closest. Nobody else is like even remotely come close. Like Oh my god. Yeah, he really put it I I've it's not like Poirier hasn't lost lost fights, but we've I'm I haven't seen Poirier just kinda get the more like you you looked at him during i think it was like after the first or second round he even went to the coins like dude i can't get this guy off of me like <laughs> even poirier is looking up like bro like what is this like like poirier is a, like legitimately a like the third like the top three in my weight dude's got like a, a like he's been on one of the all-time great lightweight runs since moving up and he was just completely like at, at his wit's end he didn't know what to yeah. do and it didn't even take long. Like, I, I don't like, know if this was just, like, him crushing, like, like just folding mentally under pressure. I don't know if this was AT&T, or ATT, uh, sorry, um, just, like, not having the right game plan. Because there were things he was doing that just made it easier for Khabib. Like, he kept his back to the cage the whole time, which is exactly where Khabib wants to. Like, he's, Khabib struggles to take people down to open range more than he does along the cage. Uh, I felt like he didn't fight hands a lot either. Yeah, that too. Like, yeah, like he he if like after a certain time he kind I ain't gonna say he accepted it, but it almost seemed like he was so frustrated that he wasn't really thinking things through. Like he was just like, bro, like I, I'm, I'm through. I'm done with this. Like, <laughs> get this guy off of me. Yeah, cause. Even during that submission, like, it just felt like there were moments where, like, he could have fought. Not saying it might not have made much of a difference, but it was like he didn't fight hands or just really, it was almost like he just kind of accepted it after a while. Like, bro, this guy's just, I wasn't ready for this. This was, this was different. Oosh. Oosh. Um. Like. Man. Yeah. Well, it's time for the fight. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Fifth time's a charm. Fifth time's a charm. Yeah. Well, just to mention the result, I think we mentioned it earlier, but Habib won via uh, rear naked choke in round three. Mm-hmm. But um, boy, oh boy, did he 
he really put it on Poirier in a way I've never seen somebody uh, dominate him like that. It was, it was really, I don't say fun to watch, but it was kind of like jaw dropping. Like he's really that good. Like he's. I don't think his resume is quite there yet, and like there are asterisks next to some of his wins because like. McGregor was gone for like two and a half years or whatever before uh, he fought him. But like, we're we're gonna start to talk about Khabib as one of the best ever, just period, like without a qualifier. Yeah, I said if he if he can get past Tony Ferguson and Jesus, please let that fight like actually <laughs> like happen. <laughs> please let that be a thing. Um. And I'll go on record, man. I'm gonna stick. I'm gonna stick my neck out there. I'm picking Tony to beat him. I'm picking Tony to beat him. I'm not confident I am in that, but uh, I, I, I'm sticking my guns out to it. But um, that's gonna be a that's gonna be a fight. Like that is gonna be the day that I might. I'm taking off of work <laughs> whenever that fight happens. I ain't going in. I'm not going to work that day. I gotta prepare mentally for what I'm gonna see. Yeah, you can. But, um, I'm, I'm like, I'm staying up the night before until like three o'clock, and then I'm sleeping all day. And then like I'm gonna wake up just to the UFC, just to watch that right. fight. <laughs> yeah. I, I gotta watch it with the freshest brain possible. Yeah, cause that is, man. But uh, Habib is, uh, yeah, he's he's really. Really, 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 really good. Um, shots to be, he got the win over Dustin, and props to Dustin, man. I was that was one of those fights. I, I was legit like watching that post fight interview. I was really hurt watching that. Like, oh boy, that that was hard. Like, you you could tell like he was really like he really took that loss to heart, and you you really felt it in the post fight interview. Like, damn, like he ah uh, like. I felt I really felt for him after that loss. Do you know how hard he worked to get there and how long it like took him to even get in the position to get a title shot, even though he's been on this crazy run, and then for it to just kind of come crashing down like this, like you really feel for the guy. But um, yeah, like I wanted Poirier to win. Like uh. uh. He's one of the good guys. Like he seems like a genuinely good, good dude, and out here like doing charitable work. And, yeah, he just, and he's not hanging around with a crazy dictator slash warlord dude who's grabbing people off the street. Yeah, and that's a whole nother. And, I mean, he that's, was there. They showed him on TV. Yeah, yeah. They didn't mention his name, but they showed him on TV. Yeah. So. Ugh. But it it is what it is, man. The man's undefeated streak continues. Tony Ferguson, you the last hope, bro. <laughs> you can't get this job done. I was gonna joke and say they should send out Michael Johnson since he beat both Tony Ferguson and Dustin Poirier, but could be already beat him, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> bro, <laughs> outside of that one little moment Johnson had. Boy, that was one of the worst beatings I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, that was. Oof, I, feel bad. I kind of feel bad for Justin. Like that—that's one of the, like 
the, like that the Diaz fight, um, like the Elkins fight, like front runner supreme Michael Johnson wins the first half gets just absolutely shit kicked in the second half of everything. <laughs> like beyond destroyed. That man got beat into rubble. Um but yeah, that was the main event. Habib Nurmagomedov still undefeated, still dominant. Yeah, it's it's nothing else to say. Complete just like dominance, complete masterclass. Dude is he, he's a stud. Uh, I appreciate that this card gave us so much, so many lightweight fights. Moving on down to the co-main event, staying at lightweight, Paul Felder versus Edson Barboza. Um, I'm gonna be honest, y'all. I watched this fight like two and a half times, and I still don't know who I really scored this for. <laughs> like, I was like leaning towards Felder, but I wasn't like a hundred percent sure. Um, I can tell you, I don't agree with the scorecards. I don't think either of these gentlemen got a thirty twenty-seven. Um. I'll say that, but, um, nah, this is a really good, I, I think we knew what we were going to get with this, um, I think we all knew we were in for a really, really good scrap, because these are just two names that when you see them, you know something's going to happen, whether they win or lose, it's going to be something that you need to watch, and, uh, I picked Felder coming into this fight, because I think when they first fought, like, Felder was still, I don't say green, but... He he was only like he only had like two or three fights in the UFC. I would say that was good. That that was his third. Uh, yeah. The Barbosa fight. Yeah, and and compared to like the first few guys he fought, like that was a big step up in like competition. Um, and I, I think since then he's he's gotten a lot better. He's he's um gotten a lot more experience. Um, they both have fought pretty solid competition, but I, I think just Felder has improved so much since that first fight that. I didn't really. I'm gonna say I didn't hold. I didn't want to hold it too much against him, but I knew it was still gonna be a really tough fight. And boy, did it turn out to be that. Like, but we say this about every Barbosa fight. Like, he has like the the like his little quick twitch <laughs> like reactions. That switch kick, just hit the speed in which he just gets off techniques is specifically his kicks is just it's wild. Like, there's not many guys who can get off a switch kick so fast. It happens in, like, a blink of a second. Um, but the one thing Felder did in this fight that I, that I think won him the decision that I was hoping he would do, um, that I don't think he did enough of probably in the first fight, was just pressure. Like, we've seen over Barboza's career that that's the one thing that kind of can give him fits. And it wasn't so much... Not like the Habib fight against Barboza or like the uh, Kevin Gaethje fight or the Kevin Lee fight. Yeah, or even the yeah, or even the yeah, the Kevin Lee fight. Well, I don't, I don't think Felder like overwhelmed him so much, but it was just the fact that for most of the fight he was the one pushing forward, and he didn't. Props to both of them because they both were eating some pretty heavy shots, but like Felder never folded to anything Barboza threw at him. He just kind of, he kept pushing forward. Um, but no, always with Barboza. Great leg kicks. A nasty switch kick. Um, good on Felder for keeping good pressure. Uh, you know, throwing strikes, throwing jabs, throwing hooks, getting some combinations off. Got off some kicks of his own. He, he was trying to land that spinning back fist. <laughs> he, he tried like two or three times. 
I don't think he ever got it, but I applaud the effort. Uh, he, he was trying to get that off. Um, but it was a really good back-and-forth fight. I just think the optics were probably that Barboza was spending a lot of time on the outside, so I think this may be why the judges gave it to Felder. But good on Barboza. I can't remember if that was the first or the second round. Dude hit the takedown out of nowhere that I was not really expecting. Yeah, it was the second. Um, yeah, yeah. Wasn't a, Barboza's not a guy you really see going for... He ain't out here wrestling. That's <laughs> not what he does. So I, I thought he did a good job of like, just, that was a good job to mix things up a little bit. Um, it, it was a really just nice back and forth. Like both dudes, I think, were pretty bruised up. Like, like I said, Felder was landing a, a, a lot of good shots. Not, Barbosa was doing a good job of keeping moving, keeping mobile, but Felder's pressure, I think, definitely played a, a good part in how this fight went. Um, and him being able to be more effective with his strikes. I'm not going to say, yeah, uh, yeah, no matter who you pick to win this fight, I'm not going to say you're wrong. Like I said, I, I watched it like two and a half times, and I still don't really know who I scored this for. Uh, but I, I was leaning towards Felder just because of the pressure. But it was a really good scrap, man. It was a really fun, technical, just kind of a, a nice little, a nice little, Bro, I was amazed that nobody seriously got, like, rocked in this fight, to be honest. So, props to both of them for just kind of surviving some <clears throat> some, uh, some hard shots. Yeah. Um, one thing I really like that Felder did, um, and I think they mentioned this, like, I, th I think Cruz or somebody mentioned this um, prior, maybe, like, earlier this week, where it was just, like, if Felder's going to win this fight, he has to throw every time Edson Barbosa touches him. Because he Felder is not the athlete that uh, a Kevin Lee or Khabib Nurmagomedov is. He also doesn't have that like wrestling in his back pocket to be like, where I can just throw wherever I want because if you try to throw back, I'm going to take you down. Um, he's really got to, you know optimize every every moment if he's going to really apply pressure to Edson Barboza, who is one of the best athletes in this division. Like, just some of the quickest hands and feet in MMA period. Um, but, um, like, he, what, he did, what he did was every, every time, like, after the, from the second round on, every time Edson Barboza threw a punch, he was he made sure to not counter, but throw, like, at the same time with, like, two or three punches. And so, uh, um, Phil McKenzie of Buddy Elbow, I think, put it best. Where, like, Edson Barbosa is, like, the opposite of, like, the bus from the movie Crash. Or, not Crash. What's it called? Well, speed. Speed, yes. He's, like, <laughs> he's like, the opposite of that. Where, like, once he hits a certain velocity, he just implodes. Like, if he's, like, once Edson Barbosa is just moving as fast as he possibly can... He's probably losing the fight because he's in full-on panic mode. Right. So, like, when he starts moving that quickly, he's actually defensively, like, vulnerable. He's going to be hurt. He's going to be tied up, pushed around and stuff like that. Um, and Brother did a really good job of just, like, um, optimizing on those moments. Because, like I said, he's not quick enough to stay, you know, to, to keep up with uh, Barboza, but if Barboza's going to plant his feet and throw back to try to keep Felder off him, that's the time that Felder can land, like, three or four really good shots. Um, 
and it, 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 it seems to work. Like, I, I don't really have an opinion about, like, who won this fight. Um, I, I, no, like, I, I could definitely see the second round going to Felder because, like, Barbosa did get the takedown, but once he was on the ground, um, those elbows opened him up from the bottom, and then he got mm-hmm. the, the arm bar attempts, which he slammed his way out of, but, like, I don't, it, it wasn't, like, a big, like, you know, rampage Arona type slam. It was just like, oh, I'm going to let go of the thing now before you slam me into the ground so I can get back up. Um, yeah, no, really good fight. Really good fight. Like, if they ever rematch for um, the trilogy bout, I hope it's a five-rounder. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah. Any, anytime these two are thrown down, I'm, I'm definitely all for it. And props to Felder, man. He looked super happy to get get that win but yeah it was a really really close fight um i'm down for a trilogy because the first two have been really good so hey man let's let's close it out with more violence let them uh let them like headline like a espn plus card or something uh, it's also important to remember like their first fight was hella competitive too if i remember correctly yeah they got um they got a fight of the night uh for that first one yeah so it's <laughs> i just think with that one like from what I remember, and it's kind of vague, it felt like Barboza just, I think like he had more moments, I guess, um, if I remember correctly. But, no, it was a really close fight. Um, I was trying to figure out after this fight was over, like who I would like to see uh, Felder fight next. Because I was thinking also, like, if, cause I don't know if you've seen, like, Poirier's been posting, he... He's kind of, it kind of seems like he's in a funk, like he doesn't know if he wants to fight again, but I, I want to lean on the optimistic side and say, like, maybe it's just prison at the moment, like he probably just, you know, obviously he's not in a good state of mind, feeling how he feels after the fight, but I was trying to think of, like, a return fight for Poirier and who would be next for Felder. Um, I don't know. I wouldn't mind seeing Felder... I mean, we we oh. we have Donald Cerrone versus Justin Gaethje and yeah next Saturday. I, I wouldn't mind yeah, seeing Felder. Like, I don't think he'd fight Donald Cerrone, but if Gaethje wins, I'd love to see that fight. Um, right. I mean, I I love to see him fight Dustin Poirier too. If, but like, it seems like Dustin Poirier is going to need some time away, and yeah. Paul Felder seems like he wants to get back in there real quick. <clears throat> um, yeah. So. Yeah, like it's really weird because like Anthony Pettis and Kevin Lee are still ranked in the lightweight rankings, but both of them are at uh, welterweight right now. Um, does Ally Aquinta have a fight? I feel like he does. I just don't remember who it's against. Uh, uh, I think he does too. I just can't remember who it. Uh, I can't remember who it is. Yeah, but I do like the. Uh, the idea, because I, I think Gaethje's probably going to beat uh, oh, Cerrone. Hooker, that's right. Hmm. Yeah, I think there's some some options. So, so whoever wins these next couple of like uh, notable like lightweight bouts, or if you guys want to finally give like Gregor Gillespie a... <laughs> another fight, like something, something. I just wanted I want to see Paul Felder again. That's that's just what it comes down to. But no, another like awesome fight, man. Really, really close back and forth scrap. Um, let's do the trilogy at some point. Definitely down for it. 
But Paul Felder got the win via split decision. Uh, moving on to another lightweight affair, Islam Makachev versus Davi Hamos. Um, you know, no wrestling in this fight. No ground game at all. Well, not much of it. Um, so you get two... Cause it isn't. I feel like Makachev isn't his base grappling. I feel like that's what he was more known. Yeah, for. he's a uh, sambo fighter. Yeah, yeah. So you get him with the sambo, Davi Hamos. Obviously, we've seen how his his ground game works, and those fights can obviously just turn into two guys who end up standing because their ground games cancel out. Right. And I can't even say they canceled out because I don't think anybody was really. <laughs> Did anybody really shoot? Um. I don't remember that the, the only time it went to the ground. I remember was when Hamos got put on the ground because he got knee in his face. Yeah, like I, but, <laughs> I, I don't remember any shots. Yeah, um, I don't think anybody shot for anything. I think they both. The, it, my theory is they both felt that weather and they were like, "Yeah, no, nah, I'm, I'm me hovering over a guy at 120 degrees in close quarters just doesn't sound comfortable, so I'm gonna just not <laughs> like I'm gonna just not do that." But um. Nah, so it turned into two guys who just ground game is kind of their bread and butter, and it turned into a, a standing bout, which we, you know, in MMA that definitely happens. And uh, Makachev, guess to me, pretty clearly got the better of it. Um, able to work a jab, just seemed just a, a way more comfortable, just on the feet, like comfortable, um, composed, never looked like really rattled out there. Um, and while he's not like the greatest striker, like he he's it's it's solid, it's it's competent, it works. Um, he can stick you with a jab, he can hit you with some good combinations. Uh, from what I remember, didn't get like tagged uh, too many times, and it it kind of seemed like once they were standing for about a, a round or so, like he just kind of seemed pretty comfortable with what Hamos was doing. Um, and to me, it just seemed like he could kind of boxed him up for three rounds. And obviously in the third round where they had clinched for a moment, uh, Davi Hamos was pushing forward, got caught with a knee right to the face, got dropped, ate some ground and pound for his troubles. Um, and Makachev really started to pour it on that round. But I thought it was good for Makachev because you know he's known for his grappling, but showcased, even though it is against Hamos. So I guess you kind of got to weigh that out too. But I mean, it at least shows that He's comfortable enough on his feet that he can throw for three rounds or just for an allotted period of time if he needs to, if the ground game isn't working. Or I guess in this case, if he just decides just to not really use it, like I can stand and box with you and I, I can still get the job done if I need to. Um, I really, I guess I was. No, I really don't. Like, oh my God. The first round and a half of this fight were like. Not good. <laughs> Not good. Like, uh, like it was such a mental drain that I missed like the complete second half of the fight despite looking at the screen. Um. Yeah, no, that's all I have to add. <laughs> I think Hamos hurt his ankle or something. Like. Kenny Florian was tweeting that like Hamos's ankle was like swelled up after the fight. I guess that would make sense. I, I was surprised that I don't know. It's not that you know 
Hamos isn't like a world-class striker, but he seemed really just, I don't want to say outclassed, but I, I don't know. Like, it, I was surprised that he just didn't, like, land a lot more. Like, I thought this fight would be closer on the feet than kind of what it played out to be. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, but I don't know. Could have just been me underestimating what, how, how I don't say how good Makachev's stand-up is, but. Is that he like he has a, a stand-up game, but yeah, not it, the fight wasn't anything too crazy. Two guys who have a ground game who ended up not using it, so it just turned into a two grapplers having like a kickboxing match basically, and which Makachev just kind of clearly got the better of it. Not not a whole lot to really dive into, but good on Makachev. Like I said, good, good to at least show that you can be well-rounded if needed. Um, and good on Makachev, another, you know, light, lightweight is really crowded with a lot of talented fighters, so a guy, a win over a guy like Hamos who was on his own little run, you know, you want to kind of further separate yourself from the pack, so, you know, a win like this, especially that it was pre pretty clear, like, who won, you know, a, a good step in just kind of separating yourself from the rest of the pack. Yeah. So, like, yeah, uh, so. the... It's crazy that Makachev's like top fifteen. Not because he's like there's anything wrong with him, but it's just like he's top fifteen and he's like what, seven to one UFC. Hmm. We'll see. We'll see how far he can uh keep his train rolling. But so far so good. Good win for him. Got the uh via uh win unanimous got the win via unanimous decision. Uh, moving on down to the only heavyweight fight that was on the card, uh, Curtis Blades versus Joey's favorite fighter, fighter slash his uh, dad, according to Anton Cool, <laughs> Joey's dad, <laughs> Shamil Abdurakimov. Um, boy, did he catch it! Um, yeah, Blades just abused this poor fellow. Um, it, it was a Curtis Blades fight. Like he took him down, he beat him up, he controlled him. He uh, he shifted his nose over to the other side of his face. Um, that closing out of the first round, that ground and pound, was, I thought it was almost over at that point. Um, probably should have been. It would have saved uh, Shamil his nose. Like if I'm but, in that man's corner, I'm like, dude, you're done. Like, just yeah. play dead. <laughs> we, don't, we don't need this anymore. Because he was getting just, that ground and pound looked personal. Like, he was really putting it on him. And then the second round was really more more the same. Like, took him down. And that that first elbow was just like, ugh. Landed the elbow. He landed a couple shots. And then, like, you you could tell Abdur came off. He literally just grabbed his nose and just kind of curled up. Yeah, no. Uh, like, it, uh, it wasn't ended in, like, a shot. It was ended because the ref saw him turn over. It was like, okay, you're done. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a Curtis Blades fight. Um. Joey, I'm sorry your dad had to go through that in 120 degree weather. Um, props to Curtis Blades. <laughs> like, <laughs> props to Curtis Blades, man. Like, continues to, you know, outside of the uh, Ganu uh, fight, dude is just out here just manhandling people and abusing them. And Shamil is uh, another another notch on the belt. Not not really much else to describe. Um. Yeah, <laughs> Curtis Blades wins via TKO. 
in uh, round two. And rounding out the main card, Carlos Diego Ferreira and uh, Marbeck Tysimov. Um, boy, does, does pressure pay. Um, I think that was a, a theme tonight in <laughs> some of these fights. Yeah. Um, yeah, pressure pays off. So, like, I have a um, theory. Because it was so hot, um, uh, and, you know, there are obviously a million other things that go into this fight in particular. Um, Mirbek Tysimov being out a year, not being able to get a U.S. visa, so he's only been able to fight, like, whoever the UFC can find who is willing to take a fight in, like, Eastern Europe to fight him. And that's not going to be any of the top 15 guys, obviously, so... Um, like, he's used to just getting guys out of there really quickly. So, mixing all of that and then putting them in 122-degree weather to fight, it feels like the guy who's being aggressive and controlling the pace, as opposed to the guy who's being reactionary and, like, fighting off the back foot, is more of a... Um, uh, the, the smarter strategy in terms of energy consumption. You know what I mean? Because you're not, like, reacting to stuff is so much harder than just, like, doing it. And, you know, getting a feel on your own as opposed to relying on the other guy. But, like, by the end of the first round, it seemed pretty, like, like at the end of the first round, I should say, like, in the last 30 seconds, it seemed pretty clear that uh, Carlos Diego Ferreira was going to run away with the fight. Like, the first four minutes were him getting his ass beat. But, like, there was, like, a switch where you could tell that, okay, Tysimov is super tired. And it looks like uh, Ferreira is literally just waking up. Thing is, I, like, I feel like the pressure was there for most of the fight. Mm-hmm. It was just that in that first round, like, Tysimov actually just, I guess, had an answer for it. Like, he, he rocked him. Was that an uppercut I think he caught him with? Uh, I forgot what he, he rocked him with. He definitely called him with something that dropped him really quickly. Yeah. He, yeah, he rocked him. He rocked him really hard in the first round. Like he had an answer. He had an answer for the pressure, or at least he was offering more than resistance. Like he, he almost, he almost cleaned him. But like after that knock, after that knockdown, going on into the second, you, you would have thought that like Tysonov would have had some momentum. Like all right, I heard him. You know, all right, I got, I got something going, and it was like the complete opposite. And Fahea just put his foot on the gas and just kind of never, he just kind of never stopped. And it's one thing to, like, pressure a guy, but it's another thing to, like, got to be effective with the pressure. So, like, I'm in your face, but I'm getting combinations off. I'm throwing, like, jab, one, two, one, two, three, mixing it up, going to the body every now and Like, he, he just really, he kind of just put it all together. And I can imagine having a guy pressure you in 120 degree weather is probably not a great feeling. Um, and he really just pedaled to the metal, just let's throw hands. Like, <laughs> well, I'm going to throw hands. I guess you're just kind of going to take it. Because it seemed like a lot of the fight, like, once that pressure got to going and Diego was getting off these combinations and I'm hitting these one twos and I'm just constantly in your face and ties them off is just trying to breathe like he'll just chill out for a second and uh he never really got that moment and i think the uh, Fahea was like a minus 200 underdog uh, 
I want to say, if I remember the odds. Uh, I, I want to say he was the underdog, yes. Yeah. Understandable. Um, dude, his striking has gotten so good. Like he was, tri- like he was tripling up with the jab and then using that to shift into left hands, so that like he'd be an orthodox. It was so good. Like he was flowing. Like he he was crowding Maribek Tyson out when he wanted space. He was cutting him off. Like really, just let it go. Um, like, and, and like there, none of it was like those like, like how Davi Hamos throws punches. You know what I mean? Or like he loads. Yeah, no, his his look. Yeah, he loads up. Now these were clean. This was somebody who was like, it's the type of punch you expect for somebody who's been boxing like their whole lives, as opposed to like just got into it in like the last like eight years or whatever. Right. So that that was so that, that was super cool to see. Like, it's hard to root against Carlos Diego for. Like. It's cool, like when you see somebody take the next, um, the next jump, you know. Right. Yeah, like that. That kind of pressure against anybody is. Gonna that, that, that's that's gonna be an issue. Like, like he's, such, he's such a different fighter from um, from when. Uh, what's his name? When he fought Dustin Poirier like four years ago, mm. and it, uh, it, yeah, it's crazy. Like, and he's not even ranked. That's the thing. Like, he's another one of these dudes who is on like a really, really good run, and he doesn't have a number next to his name. That's that's that lightweight curse. You <laughs> you go on a run that in any other division would put you in the top fifteen easy. And it's not like he hasn't fought, like, since the Poirier fight, he fought uh, Aubin Mercier, Jared Gordon, Kyle Nelson, and the last two were Kabalov and Tysimov. That's a really good run. Right. And he's not even in the top 15. Which, yeah, that shows you that lightweight is just, it's a shark tank. Like, it is. It's super hard to stand out, man. It is so hard to stand out. Like, I'm freaking... It's probably going to be impossibly difficult for him to get like somebody in the top fifteen. Like they can't get guys with like who are actually in the top fifteen, top fifteen fights. Like I love to see him fight Alexander Hernandez or Charles. Like I think Charles Oliveira is like the only ranked dude who will literally fight anybody. Right. <laughs> He's just trying to extend that submission record. <laughs> He's just like I get yeah. I, if I make weight and like submit somebody, they pay me fifty thousand extra dollars. So, right, let's do it. <laughs> yeah, but what's wild is like I look at Ferreira's performance as good as it was. Like all this pressure, this really good stand up, good boxing. I'm like, man, there are like three other prospects, maybe more, out there at lightweight that are like just as good. And it's like, what do we do with all you guys? Like, <laughs> I, I, it's so many. Now that Khabib is back, I am hoping these dudes get, like, quick turnarounds. We get this division going. We we ignore Conor McGregor baiting a rematch or whatever the fuck he was doing yesterday. Yeah, you got to chill out with that. Like, come back and fight Carlos Diego for uh, Conor, and, and then maybe you get a rematch. You dick. Yeah, you got some You got some some studs down here who are... Uh... Go get that old man from the bar. Him. <laughs> yeah. 
that's def- that's a cool headliner on ESPN Plus. Um, like, like I'm looking at this middle, and it's like Carlos Diego Ferreira seven and two, Marbek Tysimov seven and two, Islam Makhachev seven and one, um, freaking Rusam Kabalev nine and three in the UFC. Then you got other guys like little, little Baby Gaslam. Baby Gaslam out here. J- Jakar Close is out here. Um, who else? Who else? Demir um, is Magulov, who fought like last week. Right, he's out here making the name. Then you, Gregor Gillespie, who a lot of people, everybody's waiting. Where's <laughs> Where's Gregor Gillespie at? Like, all of these guys need fights. They need fights. It sucks. It sucks because they're going to have to cannibalize each other. Like you know, strong. I mean, only the strong like survive. I felt like that was that's what happened with Makachev and Hamos. Like you had two guys who had. Who has some steam going and they can't get you know bigger name fights it's like all right at this point we just kind of got to fight each other uh that might be what it has to come down to you know what i really like about lightweight like because you see this welterweight too but because they have so many fights that they have to put on in this division um like you just see guys get better like all the time like, because nobody gets cut, everybody's there for, like, ten fights. So, like, all of a sudden, Dudober went from, like, a jobber to someone who's a really good fighter. Boy, I had kickboxing the lights out. <laughs> out here putting in work. Yeah, like, it's crazy. I forgot, yeah, he's another guy who's kind of, like... he's like, never going to be yeah. a title contender, but, like, if Drew Dober was a middleweight... He'd be, he'd be like a gatekeeper to the top ten. Like I, I fully believe that. Like, like bro, y'all are gonna have but UFC's gonna have to go Bellator mode, and we're gonna have to get a little lightweight tournament. Going. Bring back the WEC and like put all the guys who don't have five right. wins in it in the WEC, <laughs> and then when they get their yeah. fifth win, they get to come to the UFC. There you go. I mean, even then, boy, it's right. Even then, it's. It's crazy you look at a guy like Fahea, Gillespie, um, little baby Gaslam, Nazareth. I put say his name right at least once. And you're like, man, these guys are really good. But then there's like another step up from that. There's a Tony Ferguson. There's a Justin Gaethje. There's a Poirier. There's a, like, <laughs> lightweight. The levels are crazy. Like, well, like think about it like this. The dude, um... Edson Barboza, super talented striker, ridiculous athlete. Like, and you know, we thought he won. Uh, like, people thought he won this fight. He's barely in the top ten right now. Right, and he's never even fought for a title. And he's lost to basically everybody who is fighting for a title. Right, that is that's insane. And if you if you threw Barboza at like welterweight, he's a he he's fighting within a title within like four or five fights. A guy with that kind of ability, but at lightweight, it's just like it's not even fair. Like it's just it's not even fair. It's such a log jam of talent. I mean, I guess in a way, it's a good problem to have. Oh, yeah, it's fantastic for us because we get to see <laughs> yes. like all these cool matchups, like Mirbek Tysonov yeah. versus Carlos Diego Ferreira. Right. But in another way, it's like, man, like, I want all of y'all to make it, but all of y'all aren't going to make it. Like, 
somebody's going to have to slip through the cracks. And I don't want to see anybody slip, but, like, everybody just can't make it at one Like, time. I just realized that, like, Gregor Gillespie is, like, 6-0 in the UFC. Right. Like, and he stopped, like, his first five opponents. Like, well, That's one thing, man. I think, I think a reason a lot of these guys are getting better, you know, iron sharpens iron. Any lightweight fight you get, you're gonna fight somebody who's good at something. Probably, yeah, they're gonna be good. That's yeah, at something. Freaking Leonardo Santos, who came back after three years and knocked Stevie Ray the fuck out. Like <laughs> he's like forty. <laughs> this is fucking insane. Yeah, I need I need a full UFC lightweight card. Like. You have more than enough bodies to do it. Just let the lightweights just have at it. Yeah. If we're, if we're gonna have, if we're gonna need some people to separate themselves from the pack, from the rest of the logjam, I think that's the only thing we can do. Uh, um, let them, let them have it on one card. Beat Tony uh, in the main event. Beat McGregor and Justin Gaethje in the co-main event. If should Gaethje get passed down, Cerrone. Matter of fact, the winner of that fight fights McGregor in the co-main event, and they can fight for like a title shot or whatever. Who cares? Um, and then yeah, you just fucking pick names out of a hat, right? <laughs> just, yeah, right. And, uh, Dustin Poirier, you can fight. Um, I, I don't know, like Edson Barbosa, uh, Paul Felder, you can fight. Uh, Anthony Pettis, like right, and we'll. Throwing Charles Oliveira, he's in this somewhere. Charles Oliveira can fight, like, uh, Dan Hooker or something. Gregor Gillespie, he can finally make his return. Yeah, just just get everybody out there, man. Just throw them all out there. Probably be the most violent card ever. <laughs> yeah. But that was the main card of UFC 242. It was really good, man. Like, just really good performances. From like I said, guys like Fajaya who've shown like really massive improvements in their game. Curtis Blades continuing to just be Curtis Blades. Uh, Makachev Hamos, yeah, but I, I I enjoy that fight maybe more than other people. Uh, I you know it was it was cool to me. It wasn't great, but it was cool. Felder Barboza, awesome, really close fight. You know it's a great fight when nobody knows who won. And then Habib Poirier was just it was just Habib Poirier. It's, Habib. You knew it was just Habib. Yeah. <laughs> Habib just. I don't uh, think Habib is ever going to be in like a truly competitive fight. Like he might be in a like he's either going to win like dominantly like he has been, or he's just going to get blown the fuck out. Like somebody's going to figure him out. And it's all going to fall apart. Right. It, it, maybe it'll be like oh he wins around and then like the other guy like. Oh, something clicks in his brain, and then he just runs away with it. But like, I don't think Khabib's ever going to be like a like a Nate Diaz, Conor McGregor two uh, situation. You know what I mean? Tony's got to hit him with a sure you can <laughs> just <laughs> just right off the gate. Did, did you did we read Tony Ferguson discussing like his body shot um, style or whatever? I heard about it, but I don't remember what where it was. He, where he's like, but I know I, it was something crazy. Most guys try to like dig in the punch, but like I, I, I want to do like the Bruce Lee like inch punch, where like I'm focusing all my power into one spot on your body and like pushing into it really quickly and then getting away. And it sounds 
ridiculous, but it's also turn Tony Ferguson. So it somehow works. I about to say, you know what? Coming from him, I 100% believe it, and I bet you it's 1,000% effective. <laughs> I'm not going to doubt it for a second. Because it's Tony Ferguson. He, he makes these... Uh, he makes these things work, but um. Gary, motherfucker. Oh, yeah. I'm so happy that this fight is seemingly going to happen. Hopefully, maybe for a fifth time. Uh, yeah. Okay. Pray, pray. That that is the best book. That's the best fight in America. Right yeah. Yeah. That's that's on on paper on like hype. I can't think of many fights. Not even just this year, in in MMA period ever that I like would be more excited to see. That's 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 the one. That's a special one. But um, that was the main card. Uh, like I said, we won't spend a lot of time on the prelims, but we have to mention some of these. So I'll quickly run down the list of who won, and then uh, the ones we need to stop on for a second, we'll stop on. Uh, headlining the uh, ESPN Plus slash FX prelims was Joanne Calderwood versus Andrea Lee. Um, it was a pretty close fight. Um, I don't know. It it was a good, it was a decent showing, I guess, from both. I just, I don't know. I feel like something was missing here. But I I, I enjoyed the the fight. I, I did like though that Calderwood seemed to be more alert than she has in other fights. Like she actually kind of came out the gate. Like kind of throwing, like she was, she's pretty ready for action. So I, I did enjoy that part. It was a good back and forth. Ended up being a split decision that Calderwood won. I uh, saw some people split one way or another. I, I'm a Calderwood fan, so I, I'm not gonna argue <laughs> the result. But um, oh, cool fight. I don't really have much to throw out about it. Um. Uh, oh. And yeah, no, um, this is one of those fights where it felt like the heat definitely got to them. You know what I mean? Well, I think uh, I think Calder would. Yeah, it. she's like. A, well, yeah, she said in the post. Yeah, fight. so like, uh, like it didn't feel like either one's best showing, but it was a, it was a good enough showing. Um, I'm happy for Calderwood. She gets to stay in title contention. Um, though I don't think she wants problems with Valentina Shevchenko. Um, mm. but like. You know, from the woman who was struggling to make 115 and talking about, like, oh, I'm, you know, destitute. I can't afford to, I can't even afford to go and train or whatever. Um, yeah, it's, it's nice to see her get a, a win. Um, uh, I really don't have a whole bunch to say. Like, you know, the typical good Joe, uh, Joanne Calder with stuff, like these standing elbows, knees in the clinch. Um, kind of wish Andrew Lee would box more. Like, I vaguely remember watching her in Victor and be like, oh, her boxing is not, like, like offensively is really um, powerful and, like, fluid. But Yeah, it seemed like there wasn't a lot of pop. Yeah, know? like... And like you said, that could have been due to the heat. Like, dudes just could have been out there just kind of exhausted. It, it did feel like a lot of these prelim fighters went to the clinch just because they were super tired. Um, but, like, she's be, she's been relying more and more on her grappling and her wrestling. Um, not like she was uncompetitive here on the field. Like, she was doing fine, especially in the back after the fight. Um, yeah, no, it was a solid little fight. Um, well, like... 
Next time, I hope they don't put the woman who's struggled to make weight um, before and had like gas issues in the desert to fight. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> this fight might have been better had it been in another arena and in another another setting. But um, congrats to Calderwood. He was on Danny Brown's show. It was a while. It was yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So sent that to me. I was like, what is, what is happening here? Yeah. yeah. I saw that. I was like, how did these two link up? Yeah, it was it was weird. I only saw a minute clip of it. I was like, I can't watch this episode. This looks too... This looks, I can't watch this for 20 like minutes. Victor Ortiz whatever showed up on um, Eric Andre. That's... I don't know. It's weird just seeing MMA fighters in these random... It's like, how did like, you do that? <laughs> someone had to call somebody's agent and was like... Right. Hey, do you want to be on the show? It was like... She was like, okay. Do you think Joanne Cordon is a Danny Brown fan? Do you think she knows who he is? I can see it, honestly. I can see it being one of those situations where, like, she wasn't aware of him and then somebody played her, like, a song. And it was crazy enough that she was like, I kind of like this guy. I don't know. Or maybe she just saw a clip from his show and it was like, you know what, this looks wild and I'm just going to do it because it's going to be fun. I don't know. They're a strange pairing. But hey, man, shout out to JoJo. <laughs> Getting on TV. Um, moving on to Featherweight uh, Zubara Tukugov. <laughs> Probably said that all wrong. <laughs> I definitely said that wrong. I made him sound like a Crash Bandicoot character. The uh, guy who punched Conor <laughs> in the face um, during, yeah, during the yeah. massive brawl that took place. And, well, I yeah. forget what the number was, but after Nurmagomedov, McGregor. Yeah. He got a win over Lerone uh, Murphy via split decision. Uh, I don't have any breakdown of that fight. Uh, do you want a bit of, like, breaking news or breaking rumors uh, from Bellator? Uh, or should I save it for the end? So... We'll, we'll save it to... Well, no, nah, we'll save right, it to the Because uh, we, we, some of these prelims we do got to somewhat talk right, about. I, I mean, I don't have a lot to say here. I, this, is an imp- you know, this is an impressive debut for Leroy Murphy. Fought through adversity in the first round where he got knocked down, um, got controlled on the ground, came back in the second... Desperately, desperately clingy to some of those guillotine attempts. And some of them were really good, but Tukarov uh, got out of them rather, not easily, but you know, he got out of them systematically. Um, like, he was tired, Tukarov. Like, Murphy was, Murphy just couldn't stop the takedown, because if he could stop the takedown, he probably would have knocked him out. The buyer was so tired. Um, but, like, uh, I want to say Murphy had, like, a way higher significant, like, um, punch, like, output than, uh, Tukugov. Um, but I, I'm not mad at this being a draw. Oh, yeah, it was, it was a draw. So, um, props to Murphy. Impressive debut. Showed a ton of heart, um, a lot of stick to Um, not as impressive as your Tukugov. Um, you know, this is this is your big return to fighting after your boy used his newly acquired you know, muscle and stardom to keep you from getting kicked out the United States forever. 
<laughs> and you go out there against a dude with half as many fights and nowhere near as much high level experience, and um, you get you it, it kind of you, you kind of look like uh, you're scared, like in the back half of the fight, or or, or at least you tire out way before the other dude does. So probably not a good look. Well, due to time, I'm gonna skip around some of these fights, and then we'll get to these two KOs. Uh, but Sarah, uh, Sarah Maras, uh, defeated Liana Joja via TKO. I didn't see the fight, but I saw highlights of ground and pound, and it looked like it was a very abusive experience. Uh, so props to Sarah for that W. Uh, Bilal Muhammad got a rear naked choke victory over Takashi Sato. Uh, Amari Akhmedov defeated Zach Cummins via unanimous decision, and Don Mudge defeated Faris Ziam via unanimous decision. And to go back up real quick to the two KOs that you guys have to watch, um, Ottoman Azatar versus Timu Pakalin. Timu Pakalin, yes. Yeah. Uh, Timu. Uh, Whew. <sighs> that man's dead. Like, yeah, and he was eating power shots, like, pretty much the entire fight. Like, <laughs> like Asatar was just winging on him for the entire fight. And he landed that right hand a couple of times. Um, And I think he had pushed him up against the cage and once and winged on him. Like, he was, he was just throwing power shots the entire fight. And then out of nowhere, he throws this overhand right that catches uh, Timu, like, right on the equilibrium. And... Timu does a face plant slash his leg was twitching. It looked like a video game glitch. It was, it was, and like the sound of the punch, it sounded like that sound that like lightning makes when it cracks. Like it was loud. Take a baseball bat and hit it against like, like with an aluminum baseball bat and hit it against like a tree or something. It was like that sound. Yeah. Yeah, he, he, that was one of the nastiest knockouts you'll see all year. Mm-hmm. He, he cleaned him. So, con- congrats to Azatar uh, for that KO. Way to, uh, way to introduce yourself to the world at large. Uh, and the other KO, um, uh, Muslim Salikov versus Nordin Taleb. I'm sorry, you mean the king of Kung Fu? Oh yeah, yeah, that yeah, yeah, he is. He is uh, what, what is it? Wushu Sanda. Wushu, five-time uh, like international ch- world champion or something. Yeah. More than any other yeah, man. He, he's out here, and right hands just seem to be the theme. You see um, what happens when you match I'll... him up against strikers, as opposed to Alex freaking Garcia. Yeah, he he kills them. <laughs> oh, you get exciting <laughs> moments like this. Right, like I don't remember much of what happened before. That led up to that, but that right hand just sent to uh to Leb to another universe. Dude, that hand speed. Jeez. Yeah. Um Shouts to uh, Salikov. Another KO that you just if you miss this card, well this is on Fight Pass. We got Fight Pass, go back and watch it. But just go back and see that KO. It was uh whew, it was one of them. Between that and the 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 uh Azatar KO, like they both they put some stamps on their performance. Mm-hmm. People were sent to the afterlife, and they're probably not coming back anytime soon. Um, yeah. <laughs> How was that? 
That was UFC 242. Um, really awesome card, man. I had a really good time watching this, although it, it kind of sucked because I had to watch this at work because the card started early. But um, it was a really fun card to watch, man. A, a lot of good, a lot of good moments. Uh, really incredible performances, especially from Habib. And then you had the the Paul Felder fight, which was really dope, and and uh, Barboza got to see the younger lightweights, or you know, just other prospects we want to see, quote unquote prospects, whatever that means. But guys like Fajaya who put on a really good performance, Magachev trying to separate himself from the pack. And like I said, you get these nasty, brutal KOs. Uh, and shout-outs to Bilal Muhammad. I was glad he uh, he got that win uh, over Sato. John Calderwood out here. It was, it was a good, it was a really good card, man. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Between this and, and the Bellator card, there was a lot of quality violence to go down. So if you missed it, um, I, I would recommend going back um, and watching uh, both both cards, man. It was, it was a good time. It was a good weekend for sports in general, man. You had... MMA going on, college football's back. You had the U.S. Open, which ended Serena loss, but you know that was going on. It's a good time to be a sports fan. There, there's a lot going on, pretty much no matter what sport you're into, unless you watch one of those weird sports on ESPN three, like cornhole or something. I don't know. Are they about to say like Stokes? <laughs> well, I don't know. Stokes probably keeps up to date, so maybe to him it is exciting. But I don't know. The rest of y'all, I don't know what you're watching, but. It's a good time to be a to be a sports fan, but uh, go ahead and close this episode out with parting shots. Oh, would you like to do this first? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, I forgot. All right. Yeah. So it's, it's not confirmed yet, but Josh Gross tweeted out of um, I'm sorry, Josh Gross of the Athletic MMA uh, tweeted out. It's it, look, it looks increasingly likely that Bellator will run a show December 29th in Japan. Main event being discussed is Rampage Jackson versus Fedor Emelianenko, and it will be billed as the Russians' final fight in Japan. <laughs> Speaking of Rampage Jackson, I forgot about this. He was at the card last night. Yeah, he was. He angry. was quite upset. Yeah, he was. Uh. He was very displeased, so you already know if he beats Ramp, if he beats uh, Fedor, if that rumor turns out to be true, we know what's coming next. Yeah, Ryan Bader is Rampage. A, a rematch. Ew. Of their first fight where Ryan Bader beat the crap out of uh, Rampage, if I remember right. Or just took him down for three rounds. I can't remember. I'm old. It may elude me. Yeah, yeah. Um, Shots to Bellator, I guess. <laughs> I mean, you got to do what you got to do with these old men, you know what I mean? Yeah, they want to fight. Yeah, do you, though? Yeah, I, but my question is, I, well, not my question. So I guess that means we're not getting a second rising card. Like, they, you know, they do the uh, the December 31st, January 1st cards. Or they'll do two at the end of the year. So I'm assuming it means they gave up their one day to Bellator to run a card, which is interesting. Like I'm, I'm, I'm with it. I don't care. But I'm wondering who they put on it. Is there going to be like cross promotional fights? Because they're doing the lightweight Grand Prix. I'm assuming they're going to have Kyojuguchi Kaiyasakura too on there somewhere. So. Uh, it, it, it's, it's interesting end of the year. 
we'll see. We'll see. Uh, guess real quick before we close. Upcoming next week. Uh, next card. At least UFC. Uh, if I can get it to load. But <laughs> on September 14th, uh, we will have Donald Cowboy Cerrone and Justin Gaethje headlining uh, over there in Canada. Uh, also on the card, you got Glover Teixeira versus Nikita Krylov. Todd Duffy is back versus Jeff Hughes. Michelle Pereira is back. He's going to be jumping off cages against Sergey Kondoshkov. I said that right. Uh, Uriah Hall versus Antonio Carlos Jr. Misha Serkinov versus Jimmy Crute. Augusto Sakai versus Marcin Tabora. Some other names on the card. Chaz Kelly, Louis Smoker, uh, Bracketona, Marvin Vittori. Other names. Other people on here. But it looks like it should be a good time. I mean, like... So, Donald Cerrone Gaethje will be fun while it lasts. Uh, God, it probably won't last long. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that fight goes out of. Honestly, I don't think it goes out the first. But I might. I might. Out of respect for Cerrone, maybe I'll say that it goes to the second. Hey, get, we gotta start talking about Gaethje's the title contender again because back to back KOs. If he knocks out Donald Cerrone, I mean. Presumably after uh, Tony and Habib, um, somebody has to fight for the title, right? Up there. And who better than, you know, you, you know the kind of fight you're going to get with him. So why not just throw him? I mean, you, dude, I think Gaethje, it would be, I don't know if he'd be a hard matchup for Khabib, but at least be, he'd be interesting, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, he's the he's like the, the dark horse of guys who I would pick to like, he might somehow be able to pull this off. <laughs> like he, he just might be able to pull this a, off. Somehow. A guy who will refuse to go to the cage unless he's the one pushing you into the cage. Right. Or he'll throw body shots. He'll kick out Khabib's lead leg. Like, he's not going to be afraid be of anything. It'd be interesting to see who could see that, win that pressure match. Yeah. Like, who's, who's, gonna, who's willing to give up ground? Because those are two guys you don't picture giving up any ground to anybody. Somebody's got to fold. So, maybe we'll get to see that. That that would be awesome. But, that's coming up next week. But, that's uh, pretty much all we got for today's episode. So, we can go ahead and close with parting shots and shout-outs. Um, I'm just going to give a quick shout-out uh, to Miranda Maverick, who won the Invicta FC Flyweight uh, Phoenix Rising Tournament that went down, uh, I think that was on Friday, Yes, I want to say. Uh, I didn't see it. Got to go back and watch it, but she got two submission victories um, and ended up winning the tournament. So, congrats to her. Um, do I have any other shout-outs? Do a music shout-out. Shout-outs to uh, uh, Sir from TDE. If you want a really good R&B album, listen to his album called, uh, what's it called? Chasing Summer. Uh, not everybody listens to TDE for Kendrick and, you know, J-Rock and Schoolboy, all, all those other guys, but... Uh, Sir is really good, man. That's that Chasing Summers album is a really, 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 really good R&B album. So if you want to get some quality R&B album in your life, go, go, uh, go listen to that. Uh, that's all I got. See, um, uh, I was gonna throw a shot at Miranda Maverick too, but you beat me to it, Sensei. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Shots at the UFC for. 
like the, everything from the ground up with Dubai has, was just bad. You know what I mean? Like having your fighters fight 120 degree weather. You're fighting a murderous warlord dictator to, to, to your card so you can sit front row. And then having a stadium built by like actual modern day slaves. So, you know, who, who do you, UFC? Yes. Yikes. Yikes. Uh, shout, shout, shouts to um, Earth Gang, because they released their uh, their album, Merrowland, and I really like it. So. I need to listen to them. I've always heard about them. I've never really... They're really good. I like them. Um, I feel like I had another shot. But, uh, me, uh, oh. Shouts to all the cults out there. Oh, yeah. shouts, shouts to all the cults. You're doing God's work. Whatever God you're praying <laughs> to. Um, but... Rex, I just rem- I remembered Rex for the first time like a week or two ago, in like ten years. Oh, the rapper. Yes, the, yeah, uh, the for uh, he he made gray hairs, and um, show was the one after that. Uh, Rhythmatic Eternal King Supreme. I remember really loving those albums when I was like, I don't even know how old I was, like eight years ago, like I guess, I guess in high school. So yeah, shouts to him. I hope he's doing all right. I don't, I don't know what he's up to. He doesn't have social media. I, just, I looked. Shout out to Rex. There you go. You guys get five recommendations, music. Got you covered. But that's all we got for today's episode. As always, give us a listen. SoundCloud, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play. Send questions to Dodo Talk Podcast at yahoo.com. Uh, follow me on Twitter and Twitch at Serial Sensei. And uh, if you want to support, you can buy my book, The Oddball Chronicles, for 99 cents on Amazon. Or if you like paperbacks, you can buy it for 8.99 and support a starving artist. But that's all we got for today's episode. So as always, anytime people are being punched and or kicked in the face, we will be there to talk about it. And until next time, we will catch you guys later.